Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Technical difficulties. Extraordinaire. That doesn't even make sense. But, hey, shout out Zoom for uh, continually dropping and crapping the bed and Skype for doing the same. But now back to Zoom, so I guess I can't really complain. You know, if I'm using free services, I can't really complain, can I? So, um, right. Mr. Tony Moon, and um, in light of everything, through, really through, I don't know, private, I found you online, and we started talking, and it was, it was, I was watching a video about, about the 1991 LA riots and the quote-unquote rooftop Koreans, and mm-hmm. found your email, sent you an email, I was like, man, that would be a cool guy to talk to. And you were like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh, my God, let's do it. So that's where we are right now. And through some technical difficulties, I'm just I'm just blabbering right now. I'm not making any sense. How would you introduce yourself, man? Cool. All right. Well, anyway, hey man, I just want to say thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, uh, my name, you, know, you already introduced me. Um, let's see. I'm an L.A. resident. I've been here since 77. Um, I grew up here. I spent my whole life in LA. Uh, now, right now I'm living outside of, uh, you know, the LA city of LA in a suburb east of LA. Um, it's called San Gabriel. It's a really small city. So that's where I live, but I'm still, you know, connected to the County. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I've lived here over, man, it's been over 40 years, you know, so I'm kind of giving away my age too. So, um, yeah, so it's great to be here, man. So I'm glad- <laughs> yeah, man, you're good. You're good. You don't need it. I had a guy on episode 80, I forget what it was. Really, it was around. It was on July sixteenth. It was on the seventy fifth anniversary of the first A bomb testing in Alamogordo, New Mexico. And I got on a, a former nuclear weapons physicist from uh, from Lawrence Livermore. He was eighty six. He was telling me stories about walking to school. I was like, I was eleven on nine eleven. I was like, I remember being in math class and hearing about it. And he was like, I was eleven when they announced that. Uh, that the war ended because we dropped atomic bombs. And I was like, you are old. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, you're good, man. You're not it's as old as him. Well, yeah. That generate. Yeah. It's fascinating that what they went through and all the changes that they saw, oh, yeah. you know, and then to be alive now to see the wall come down, yeah. like, you know, the oh, yeah. wall, oh, yeah. you know, see the fall of communism, yeah. Soviet Union. It's like, I mean, historic to live, yeah. to be nocturnal, right? Because he's in his 80s. Yep. Yeah, so that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, hope I, I hope I can live that long too. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I do. Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy because he is still. He gives tours at some nuclear weapons museum. I mean, dude is completely coherent. Completely. Yeah. You know, I lost my grandma at eighty six, and you know her mind had been going for years. But here's this guy, just sharp as a tack. I mean, if you had got rid of the video and just listened to the audio, you'd have no mm-hmm. idea. You'd have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, man. So um. But yeah, it's uh, I, I read I read a comment of yours on a forum, and I thought it sounded cool, and I didn't actually think you'd email me back. There's about a ninety five percent failure rate when I email potential guests. Just yeah, or not? I wouldn't even say failure rate. I'd say ninety five percent just non responsive. 
and then of the 5% that do respond, maybe 1%, so 0.05% actually do the podcast. So I'm always, it's weird to, it's weird to hear you say, thanks for having me on. I'm like, thanks for doing it. Like, so, uh, but yeah, it's, um, you were there in the 1991 riots and, um, yeah. It's actually 92, I think. 92. I mean, I'm a moron. Yeah, I was, I was, two, yeah. I was two years you know, old. I get, those, I get those years confused too, 91 and 92. What, but, was, that, what yeah. was 91? I feel like something was in 91. A lot of stuff happened in LA in the 90s. We got earthquakes. We had the forest fires. We had like 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 late 80s. We had like two large earthquakes. Yeah. And then we had the riots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was not a good time. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Whatever. So so you were there, and I I made I made sure beforehand. I was like, hey, this that term's not offensive to you, right? And you were like, no, not at all. So because I've had I had some people like at at work I was like telling one of my friends about like my upcoming guest and I was like yeah man he's one of the he was like one of the, like the original like rooftop Koreans and he was like oh that's so cool and there was some lady buying something and she was like that is so offensive and I was like you know I haven't actually checked that with him because I don't I, I don't think it is and you were like no it's not to me and I was like I don't because when I say it to me I to me it is like the most like some of the guys I've had on here that were in like spec ops and stuff, they've used that term before, but it's as like, it's like admiration and respect. <laughs> like one of the guys is like, our sniper was Korean and we call him the rooftop Korean because he would always be looking over us. So yeah, yeah. So, but um, yeah, enough of enough of me talking. I want to, I want to hear your story. I've, I've read your comment on YouTube and I don't want to spoil it for anyone. So walk, right. yeah, walk me through it. Walk me through your experience. All right, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit a couple of comments on the, that video too. Sure. Um, that I want to discuss as well. But yeah, so it was I was 19 years old. Um, it was 92, and um, I mean I, I think just a little bit about the, the background um, in terms of myself, and then I'll go into the background sure. of what, what, what was happening in LA at that time. So, sure. um, you know, there's when you think of like an Asian person, you think of someone who came here and is you know. Uh, working hard, uh, sends her kids to school and, and, and does all the things, the right steps, so that second generation can do better. Well, um, you have those Asian kids, and then you have the other Asian kids, the kids that were like knuckleheads, right? That always they got into trouble, that couldn't, like, you know, was just always getting into stuff, right? Sure. And this was like the 80s and 90s, so I grew up with a lot of hip hop culture, right? Because this is LA. Um, so I was listening to a lot of rap music and stuff. So, you know, a lot of my friends were kind of, you were in, in groups. That's all I'm just leaving it at that. We're in groups. And this is back, uh, like eighties, nineties when the movie colors came out. Right. So there's a lot of Crips and Bloods, a lot of like drive-bys and that was just like the culture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gang signs, all that. So, so I, you know, that's kind of the, the call that, you know, that was in LA at that time, uh, hip hop was coming up and then, um, you know, young guys like me, you know, we're listening to a lot of, you know, hip hop we kind of grew up in that era so um for us i mean i think when the riots happened you know it blew me away the fact that like you can see social order just break down so uh quickly right because it happened i had to go back through the timeline because it's so long ago and i had to do and i and i actually periodically do you know searches on youtube videos and stuff just to kind of see what it was back then i did that back in 2011 but yeah, it happened on a Wednesday, and um, yeah, I remember 
where I was at work. I, I worked in a, a suburb. Actually, I don't live that far from where I used to work. It's in Alhambra, which is east of uh, downtown LA. And it had the, the verdict came out on an afternoon, right? So this was Rodney King. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, came out with the verdict on Wednesday afternoon. And that's when uh, Florence normally blew up by about 3 in the afternoon, 3, 4 in the afternoon. Late afternoon started blowing up. There's people out in the corner, and that's when that trucker Reginald Denny got stopped, right? And then he basically, I mean, he got beat. He got yeah. beat really bad. Yeah. From there, it just kind of blew up, right? So that was Wednesday, and then Thursday is when it really started picking up steam, right? And there are riding in areas where basically it's like, what? I mean, I lived in Hollywood. You know, we lived over by. Um, when, we, when people think of Hollywood, think of like, man, you lived in Hollywood. Like, no, man, I lived in the working class part of town of Hollywood, right? So if you know a place like Hollywood, like, you know, there's always, you know, misconceptions. But, yeah, if you go over, right, and there's, um, I, you probably don't remember, but there's a store called Circuit City. And Circuit City was kind of an electronic place, kind of like the good it. guys. Right? I remember it, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, so so basically this Circuit City was over on uh, Sunset, like, not that far from my house. But they were looting that place, and that had nothing to do with Rodney King. And there's actually, I think there's a footage where the guy's holding a big TV. And the report is pointing a camera at him. He brought, he draws out a revolver and he points at the camera. Lady of the cameraman, right? He drops the TV <laughs> and he's running down the parking lot. It's crazy. And this was on like, uh, this was happening was on Thursday. Cause it, we just started seeing everything that's on Thursday. So it started on Wednesday and then from there it blew out south, right? So Koreatown is north of Florence and uh, Normandy, but there's a lot of Korean businesses that were owned south of that, right? So you're talking about like, yes, you know, South Central, Compton. And a lot of these business owners didn't have insurance. So when they went up in flames, they pretty much lost everything, right? So that was on, it was starting to pick up steam on Wednesday. And Thursday is when it just went full blown. That's where you see basically all the black smoke coming up from the city. And then um, it just, you see the news you know, feed in terms of what's going on. And then um, at the same time, we didn't, like my family, we didn't have any stores in Greytown. My dad, had, we had a store over on uh, Florence and Alameda, which is um, east of Florence and Normandy. It's further east. Um, and then we had that store, but we sold that store two years ago. So we're done with that. And then a lot of my uncles, and uncles, they had, you know, independent businesses that didn't require like a shop. So, um, we're, I'm watching all this happen on Thursday. It's, it's happening on, you know, TV, you see the cars going. And then my buddy calls, right? And I'm not going to give his name because he's for privacy reasons, but he calls and, and his, and his brother has a, a sound shop over on a Hoover in Washington, which is over by the edge of Koreatown. And it's called Sound Expo. And then from there, you know, his, there was another shop. And then his sister worked, his sister-in-law worked at a beauty salon. And then his brother had a Photoshop. And then um, his um, sister, his other sister-in-law, um, she had like a, a makeup type of place. So um, so Thursday, I mean, I'm watching all this happen. And then I was at work and they're telling me I work with man, you better go home because you live in like they're starting fires in Hollywood too and you know so I was like okay so I drive home and then this is pre-cell phone so my buddy calls me he even said hey man do you see what's going on TV I was like yeah it's happening and he goes okay well you know you know they're gonna probably you know my, my brother's shop because it's in that area I was like okay all right um I'll see you in the morning then so he comes to my house and it's like 7 30 in the morning so he rolls up you know and then he has like, yeah, not like rich agents, right? Like poor agents. So he had like an 84 old, 82, 84 Toyota, you know, Corolla, four door, like a beat up gangster car kind of, all burgundy and had like, so, 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 you know, I hop in, right? And I, I was 19 and when I was 19, I bought my first shotgun, which is a Remington 870, right? So I took that, 
And I remember leaving that morning, and, uh, you know, my dad, I mean, Koreans, we, you know, the older generation, they served uh, in the military for four years. You know, so I was 19, and, you know, I'm walking out of the house with a shotgun, and my dad's there, but he doesn't stop me, you know, because he knows, I mean, he knows why I'm going, right? Yeah. And um, he just tells me to be careful out there. So we, I, we, I, we go out, and we head over to, to this uh, stereo shop, and then, um, you know, this was there, and he's got some of the um, guys, the employees, and some of the employees were Hispanic. And they're up on the roof, and they have like shotguns, and I have long guns on the roof. So we show up, and then we're like, "Hey, man, what's going on?" It's like early in the morning. We're like, yeah, we, you know, they're boarding up the windows, right? And they're just probably getting stuff, you know, moving stuff out of the way. Cause it's still burning; you can still smell the smoke, and there's still of fires that are going. And the thing is that um, they couldn't put out the fires because these guys were shooting at the firefighters. It was crazy, you know. So that was like a first too. I, I mean, it was like they're trying to put out the fires, but they're shooting at the firefighters. So. So they're moving, um, you know, they have a pretty, um, you know, high-end sound place for, you know, everybody, rappers and stuff, bring whatever, guys would bring their cars, and, you know, they trick out their cars and stuff. So they're moving all the equipment out. And um, that day, Thursday, um, actually Friday, that Friday, all day, uh, we ran patrol. Uh, the older guys, uh, the older, you know, like my dad's generation, they were on the rooftops, right? And they were basically pecking, right? But the younger guys, the ones that are like me, that um, I guess you have kind of a rougher background. Um, I don't know if he talks about this, but we actually ran patrol on that day. So on Friday, we basically, um, you know, his older brother said, yeah, there's a white car, carload of, you know, I'll be honest, you know, that in that neighborhood where we were, there's a lot of Hispanics, you know, and a lot of these guys were from MS-13, which is a Salvadoranian yeah. gang, right? So they were basically cruising around doing drive-bys on, on so that morning, or like, there's this white car that went by twice, and it has this carload guys. So, you know, they told us, so we got in our car, and we're out there, you know. So it's kind of like, you know, we're hunting these guys down, you know. And, you know, we didn't find them. We went, and we actually went over to a few other places, you know, that, um, you know, that were, you know, they had their cars out and stuff. And, and we knew, you know, you know, my buddy, he knew uh, some of the guys there. And then I also went to my other friends. Yeah. Swap meet over on Western. His, uh, his parents had like this indoor swap meet, but that place was pretty secure because they have the long iron, um, broad iron um, uh, fencing that goes up to about eight feet, right? And then they had the steel roll, roll down doors, roll up doors, so that was all secure. But um, yeah, it was just that. And then we had to grab lunch, you know, for all the, the older guys. So we went to the restaurant and everyone's packed, you know, so everyone has a sidearm and, you know, <clears throat> everyone's picking up food and, you know, and um, yeah, it was just, it's, I mean, it was just a crazy day you know and then from there we went back but i mean i didn't we didn't shoot anybody i didn't shoot anybody i didn't, we didn't get shot at at that time but um you can hear gunshots and then when we heard the gunshots we roll over there right and we find out like who was it you know was it we're looking for particular cars was it this was it that but yeah and then saturday is when there was uh, the protest parade that's when like about i, I read it was like a whole bunch of us they said it's like thirty thousand Korean americans came together uh, and then we started walking from uh, olympic and Western, it's a, it's a boulevard, it's the largest street, and then from there went all the way down to, well, actually, no, I take that back, it was on Normandy, because there's a park there. So from there, we walked all the way to Vermont, and from Vermont, we went up north to Wilshire. So yeah, it was basically that, and it was pretty much over by then, because the National Guard came out. Um, they came out by Friday, I think, afternoon, you know, Friday late afternoon, and they came out, and then, um, yeah, by Saturday, it was safe enough where, you know, um, the Korean, I guess the Korean radio told everybody, like, hey, 
you know, we're going to get, get together and walk. There's like 30,000 people that showed up. I didn't even know about this. My dad is the one that had to tell me. Um, and he's the one that, he woke me up in the morning on Saturday when I got back. And he was like, hey, man, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a protest thing that we got to go to. It took me and my brother. My brother at that time, how old was he? Um, he was like 11. Yeah, my brother was 11. I was 19, so we both went, you know. But, yeah, it was um, it was surreal, you know. And um, I was doing some homework on this, and there was a comment one of the YouTubers wrote about the security guard, you know. <clears throat> and um, there was a video uh, back in 2011 that I, I, I found and I showed my wife, and I, you know, I can't find it now. But it was basically uh, an older security guard guy standing, and this actor just runs up and shoots him in the head. You know, so I don't know if that was—I don't know if that was pre-riots, before the riots happened, or I, I don't think it was after. Because we would have known about it after, but it must have been before that happened because there was a lot of um, tension between, um, like, a, the black community and the Koreans at that time. Sometimes part of the Hispanic community, but mainly—I uh, mean, it was the gangs that were a problem down there. You know, MS-13. But with uh, the black community, um, we had a problem with that because um, maybe a few, I think it was uh, several months ago, there was a shooting of a 14-year-old. Her name was uh, Latasha Harlan. And um, you can Google that, but she was shot by a Korean store. Um, it's an older woman. And um, she basically shot her in the back of the head. Right? She had a handgun under the counter, shot her in the back of the head. But that's what kind of set everything off too because what they didn't show in the whole video was this 14 year old girl was a big black girl right she was big and she like took like candy bars and stuff and and the, and the korean like older she's like a grandma right she was like hey you gotta put that stuff candy bars. Like, i didn't steal this and that this that. and boom she's like she's wailing on the grandmother right beat the i mean pounded her right so so after she got pounded i mean i think the grandma just kind of lost it she's like she's already fearful for her life she pulls out the gun and boom right so because of that, um, when they went to court, the judge gave her six months of probation, right? Yeah. Which is, okay, right? I mean, yeah, you shot. I, I don't know, I'm not a judge, right? But that didn't sit right with a lot of people. Yeah. You know, a lot of the black community didn't think that was right. You know, they only saw the part where she got shot, but they didn't see the beginning of it, where she's just wailing on this woman, right? Yeah. So there was a lot, of, <clears throat> a lot of tension because of that too. And then also culturally, because, um, you know, you have a first-generation immigrants that come, and, and the only opportunity they have in order to make it in this country was to start a business, and you know something that doesn't require a lot of you know communication skills, right? How much is this? Fifty-five cents, a dollar, whatever, right? So, a store, you know, is probably one of the easiest ways to, you know, uh, to, to start making a living here, and at the same time, culturally, you know, very homogenous. You know, there really isn't a lot of different people. I mean, it's really different now, right? Um, but they're really homogenous. So when they, and a lot of like my dad's generation that came here, it's culture shock. You know, you got all kinds of people, right? And then you got, you know, you know they go into like a, a black community, right? And the culture is not, I, you know, it's not, the black community is the black community. They have their own culture, right? To a certain degree, right? We're all American, but they have their own culture. And that was a shock for them too, right? And at the same time, a lot of these guys, um, like my dad's generation, they're educated. And then they're here working at a store and, you know, 10, 12 hours a day, right? Disrespected. And so that frustration builds on their part, too. Like, you know, I went to college back in Korea and here I am. I'm like selling tortillas and yeah. bread and all these, to yeah. these guys. Like, what the? Yeah. Yeah. So there's tension. Right? Little, little pent up. Yeah. Under, what's the term? Underemployed? It's, yeah, it's where you, yeah, you have an engineering degree 
and yeah, you're you're selling Cheetos, right? right? It, yeah, and then someone steals <laughs> your Cheetos. Yeah, and then, yeah. yeah. So, so there was a lot of tension that built up because of that. So that's another reason why um, some of the stores were burnt. You know, there was a lot of animosity about that. But then, uh, what happened afterwards um, was that uh, the MC Church, which is a black, a big, you know black church and, and stuff that like they got together with a lot of the Korean churches um, so through faith you know they connected and they basically rebuilt the community together and um, you know they kind of there was a lot of dialogue you know there's a lot of like I think a lot of misconceptions miscommunications out between the two cultures and um, I think after that there was a lot of fence building which is great you know because I mean you fast forward almost 30 years now I mean you know we got hip hop back then Koreans, I mean, they turned out and they gave us K-pop, right? So, I don't think I don't think it's a fair deal. That, I'm not a big fan of K-pop. That wasn't a fair <laughs> trade, no, not at all. It's, yeah, it's that's so insane, though. I remember reading that comment, and you were like, "Yeah, you're like it was like my cut or my brother or my cousin who had a Beretta and I had a 12 gauge, and we were on patrol." And I remember reading that, and I was just like, because I was born in 1990, I just assumed that nothing happened before 1990. Like, I know everything happened, but I just assume my universe started on August 7th, 1990. And so to me, everything, granted, the riots were after that. Everything before that, I just assume happened, you know, dinosaurs, Jesus, American Revolution, now we're here, right? That's I just that's how I condense it, right? I'm real, right, right. real intelligent, right? But it was weird reading that comment because it was like, oh, you were like, you were there. And it was like, oh, this was just a thing. Like, I know this sounds stupid, but like. You know, it's especially growing up with the internet. You, like you've you've seen everything has always just been through some YouTube clip, whether it's Tank Man in Tiananmen Square, whether it's Pearl Harbor, whether it's, right. it's World War One with no sound. It's just weird that it's it's like oh you still exist, right? It was like oh, you're a real person, you're there. Like I've had I had a guy on Tony Tedeschi who's a firefighter on 9/11 in New York, and it was just like oh whoa you were there but yeah that was just seemed so absurd it was just like yeah we rode patrol and then i was 19 and i was like man when i was 19 i was getting ready to go to college and it was like <laughs> i would have it's just i don't know where i'm going with that but it's just insane sorry I, I, you know <laughs> it's you know one at that time you know i guess you know, the 90s, the late 80s and 90s were a little bit more thuggish, you know. But we had a lot more gangs and, you know, things were a lot more rough. I mean, that's when crack came out, mm -hmm. right? And that's when gangs really took off. And uh, um, that had a lot of influence in L.A., you know, especially a lot of the, us growing up around that time, especially with the music and the culture, you know, sure. you know with that. So at that time, you know, getting in a car and having a gun and with my buddy like that, it was like, you know. Kind of um, cool. I don't know. I mean, it's, not, it's not something we thought about too much. You know, it's just like, like they're they're coming for us, right? Yeah. I mean, they're coming for us and for you know for our family, for our friends, and and the Korean community is huge. It's not like you know we all know each other, right? I mean, it's a huge, right? So, but at the same time, I mean, you know, we all kind of banded together in a sense, right? Where you know we had to protect ourselves, you know? yeah. and you know, it, it caught a lot of people by surprise, right? And then I remember um, there was an interview, and it was a younger guy, and, um, you know, he made a comment, like, yeah, um, I don't know why they're doing this 
this was we didn't be, we didn't beat Rodney King. You know, it wasn't us, right? Yeah. It's like for you, it wasn't. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. To you, it's like it's just. It's like don't don't bring me into this. Like I get you're mad. Don't. But this isn't me. You know. It's yeah. It's like I. You know. They always. You know. It's like well, you're white, so your ancestors owned slaves. I actually found out. My dad looked it up. We actually went in and found out in all like the public records. My ancestors actually fought for the North in the Civil War. Like actually fought for like for Lincoln against uh, Ed to to liberate slave slaves so yeah for me it's like exceptionally i'm like hold on like uh-uh so i'm like uh-uh. i'm like i get a pass where's my pa- where's my reparations but it's yeah it's but it's weird seeing I gotta yeah I'm, so, I'm i'm so tired of white guilt you know I, honestly i didn't do anything man i didn't do anything really? <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah i mean i mean you didn't have slaves no you know I, I mean and i mean and, and if you're if your grandparents way down the line did like i mean you had no say in it, right? I, know, I mean, it's right? not like you. You yeah. said, you know what? I want to make that, and you're not trying to perpetuate it. No, and I'm not defending it. I'm not defending it either. Not only that, I'm what Irish. I'm Irish. I can't. My family. So they were. You were discriminated. <laughs> yeah. Irish you know need not. A, yeah, Irish need not apply, right? It's. It's yeah, exactly. Part of the century, Ellis Island. You guys are discriminated against. You know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I'm a history buff. Yeah. I mean a lot about history. Yeah. You know. So yeah, I mean. Doesn't fit and, the narrative. It was not a. It's not a race thing, you know. No. It's it's a, it's a social economic. Thing, sure. You know, and sure. it's like who's like me, and nowadays I think it's who's like me financially, economically, right? So I, I this whole black white paradigm that they're trying to sh- put on us, um, yeah, it's it's BS. Yeah. Yeah. We had a black president for eight years, you know. I mean, yeah. so honestly, we could figure it out then. Yeah. Yeah, and then we got. Problem now. I mean, yeah. seriously, who yeah. are these people that have a problem? You know what I mean? It, that it's. I often think I'm like, I'm like, where is it? Where is all of this coming from? And like, in it, not to don the tinfoil hat, but I mean, the more you think about it, if you wanted to destabilize a country, let's just say in, in a vacuum, you wanted to destabilize a country, and you're a foreign, you're a foreign nation state. The one thing you would do is you'd get on Reddit or YouTube every day, and you would just go post a polarizing comment between the left and the right parties of America. Anything to just put that wedge and just push it farther apart. Because it's, you see it on the news, you see it on YouTube videos, Instagram videos, but I've never, I haven't seen it in person. I work with an Italian guy. I have on my friend Aaron all the time who's black, right? I have gay friends. I have Asian friends. I I, I, I don't see, I have, I'm more far right, not far right, but some people say I'm far right. I have friends that are left. I would probably say they're far left. They're probably just moderate left. But we're we're still best friends. I have my buddy Ernie on this podcast all the time. Ernie was born in Mexico. He worked in the Obama administration. But I have him on just because we just, you know what we talk about? We talk about in college when we used to drink together and play video games. So it's like you see all of this in the news yeah. saying it's they're at each other's throats. But then I'm like... I haven't seen it. It almost seems like it's like someone's benefiting from this, and I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think, I think that's just rational thought process. I feel like someone's benefiting from all this division. Who's benefiting? I don't know. Is it a foreign nation state? Is it insurance companies? Is it the gun companies? I don't know. But right, it seems it seems a little odd. So I work in, a, in an industry that deals with money, right? Mm-hmm. Lending, right? So I do all kinds of lending, you know. 
uh, loans, right? And you know, the, the term you've heard of this, follow the money, right? Mm-hmm. Adage. Have you heard of that? Yeah. It's very true, though. If you follow the money in terms of where that money goes and how things are financed, you know, and and what's being done, then it's pretty clear that. There's an agenda right now to take this country over towards more of a socialist, Marxist type of environment. They're talking about UBI. Some guy posted about UBI. Like, hey man, I read the comment. Like, hey man, you know your son, your kids, you know, in a socialist state, you know, they can find a dream with some UBI. But you know, if you take Econ 101, you find out that if you give everybody a thousand dollars, I mean, nobody's a thousand dollars richer, right? I mean, it's just it makes everything else more expensive. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's. I mean, can you not, like, thread these things together? and? Yeah, we've already seen it. We've seen it with early 20s, mid-20s Germany, right, where they had the wheelbarrows full of the Reichsmarks. What was it, four points? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Three trillion Reichsmarks per U.S. dollar. What was Zimbabwe in the early two thousands? Didn't they get to a hundred trillion per U.S. dollar? You can't. It, it doesn't. You can't just do that, right? It works. It works for a little bit. Works for a little bit. There's like a delay. There's like a weird. Yeah. There's like a delayed effect. But it's yeah. And and, and I'm sensitive to that because um, I, I'm you know about German history. I was actually born in Germany. Really. Right. So. Yeah, I was I was born uh, south of Dusseldorf, right? Okay. It's a small town. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of an industrial town called Leverkusen. But yeah, I mean, Germany actually went through that. They went through that during the Weimar Republic when they went through hyperinflation. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work in modern days time. I mean, I think now digitally we just added another zero. And everything will probably everybody will be happy, right? But, you know, I mean. I don't know how that's going to work, but yeah, I mean, what else is there at this point? Because if you look at what's going on financially in this country too, we have about, I don't know what the, what the, the debt is now, but it's astronomical. 20, We're never paying this back. 21 trillion, I, I believe. It's like 21 trillion, and there's another like 40 trillion of unfunded liabilities, right? I mean, who cares about these numbers anymore? I mean, does anybody really what care? What does it mean? Yeah, what does it mean? It's, yeah. You know, I've as as I've read, listened to more audiobooks, more in, in about intelligence agencies and um, mm-hmm. asymmetric warfare and like weird things we would do to fight uh, the Soviets, weird ways that the Chinese are attacking us right now. It seems that nothing's off the table. It's not just bullets and bombs. It's all sorts of stuff. I've I've slowly I'm kind of building not not actively, but I'm like subconsciously and passively. I've been like developing my own hypothesis that I think the single most effective weapon the United States has ever created is not a stealth bomber. It's not nuclear-tipped warheads. What it is is debt. Because we're not paying that back. But if you can, just like the UBI, if you can sort of fake it for a little bit before the debt man comes knocking, well, if you can get, say, China to pick up $10 trillion of debt... All right, so now it's on paper. We owe you ten trillion. Okay, and then what do we do with that? 
We turn that into, what is it, like Realpolitik? We build 900 F-22 fighters. We buy 5,000 Abrams tanks. We buy 100 years of ammo and dried food for the troops. We, we, we buy oil instead of using our own oil back home where we have it for reserves. Why are we doing all this? Well, when they finally, just, when they finally check the card and go, all right, you guys got to pay your tab. Well, we're not going to pay it. And, okay, so what's the next natural step? You send your collectors. How are you going to send collectors to a, for $10 trillion when the people that owe you the money have a $10 trillion defense industry, right? It's, it's Tony, Tony yeah. you, uh, you give me $1,000, and I go buy a rifle and 500 rounds of ammo, and then you come knocking, you go, where's my $1,000? And I go, I don't know. Get out of here. And you're like, oh, no. But... That is my, but that's complete. That's a different episode for another time. That's my hypothesis that the U.S. debt is a uh, is our weapon. But yeah, that's kind of a taste of this podcast. I just go off on the rails. But um, I think it's cool, man. Yeah, I think it's cool. You talk about a lot of different things. That's great. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's I have to, man. If I break it into one specific thing, I know I'll just quit. I'll just shut it down. I'll get so bored of it. Yeah, it has to just be. It has to just be whatever. I mean, yeah. It's yeah. It's the only way I can stay sane. It's. But man, is if there, there isn't a, it's one thing I have noticed, and so at work I've actually had friends. I'll have like five guys, right? We'll all get our phones, and I'll, I'll like go to my podcast, and we'll pick it up, and I'll be like, subscribe. Just so I started this podcast on December twelfth, two thousand nineteen. I got to get to a thousand subscribers before I can make money. That's the holy grail. Right now I'm at six oh five, whatever the number is. I think it was around five hundred. I had all five subscribed, right? It didn't go up at all. So as the day went on, all these girls would come in drunk, buying liquor. We'd get them to subscribe. Probably 15, 20 people subscribed, and the number went up one. Over the, over the holidays, I'd get all my family and cousins. I'd be like, everyone subscribe right now. They'd all subscribe. Uh, I'd, get, I'd get like two. And that's, it's YouTube algorithms. It is. And that's yeah. and it's because up and up before that, when people would say they're they're getting censored or suppressed... I'd be like, dude, that's just an excuse because you don't create good content, right? It's not my fault. It's YouTube. Now I'm going crazy, and I can't help but think it has something to do with the fact that there's a big American flag I have on veterans. I have on guys like you who kind of just say what it is. They're like, no, this is what happened. This is who robbed me. This is, you know, I didn't have anything to do with it. And But that doesn't fly. That doesn't fly with YouTube. It's right. Because, they're they're because, fine. This because you like America. Yeah, it's because I'm, I'm right. It's because I'm white. Because and, you're not the country. Yeah, it's, it's sorry, yeah. right? It's it's you know, and it's 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 I have I had on Brigadier General Robert Spaulding, who was in uh, Obama's National Security Council, and he wrote a book called Stealth War. It's about China, and I had him on in mm-hmm. in August, and he's going to come back on in October. But you know how in the CCP they uh, they banned the image of Winnie the Pooh. Because they said yeah. it looks like Xi Jinping. Yeah, that's Xi Jinping, right? Yeah. So, uh, Brigadier General Robert Spaulding is going to come on again in October, and uh, and he, and he brings up Xi Jinping in his book, Stealth War. Just kind of like he's like, you know, he just kind of says it kind of offhanded, but it's clearly not offhanded. Of all characters he could choose, he choose. So I got a big Winnie right. the Pooh shirt, and I'm going to wear it next time I have him on. But like, it's just little <laughs> things like that, right? Where it's it doesn't. It, you can't, you can't do that, right? There's, there really is wrong think, like it's becoming real. That you, you can't say certain things. You can't call it what it is. You can't, um, 
you know, having on, I tried to run an advertisement on one of my videos just to get more people coming. And uh, I remember they, so I chose like my most viewed video. It was Dale Comstock, Delta Force. And he was talking about one of the operations he was on. And after like 48 hours, I got a, I got a response from like Google ads and they said I couldn't run it because it, it promoted violence and white supremacy. And I was like, what part of it? That's BS. I was like, what part of it? Because a lot of it, we just talked about his upper... Actually, Dale was born in Germany. And uh, we talked about that and... You should get a filter. What? Get a filter and make yourself look Asian or something. Uh, right, I know, right? I, sh- I should... Like, I, I need to get a, I just need to get a black friend and I'll say everything oh, off yeah, camera. Exactly. I'll get a, say right. everything off camera and just get him to repeat it. They won't dare censor him, right? It's... But Dale talked about it. at one point. He talked about it. I was like, Dale, what was your first confirmed kill like? And he told me, it's like, oh, yeah, no, I remember I engaged, pulled up, fire. He's like, it wasn't much. It was the adrenaline of the moment. It just kind of went on. YouTube cited that part of saying that that was uh, promoting violent content and white supremacy. Because Dale, on a Delta Force operation, an acid gambit in 89, shot someone, a combatant. I don't, so I don't know how to play this game. Like, I just, because a lot of the agenda is to demasculate. Is, is 100%. Right? That's 100% part of it. So that's part of the agenda. So you can have a video of, I don't know who this one rapper is, but it's, it's this is America. He had a, oh. I still see the image where he had a guy in a, in a, in a, in a, in a bag game. and he shoots him. Childish, that's okay, right? Childish game being out. But yeah. someone talking about bullying, narrating it is not, is not no. okay. Childish game being out. Okay, but narrating. I mean, it's just really. I mean, you, can't, you can't do that, right? You can't. Not do you remember when Trump retweeted that? <laughs> do you remember when Trump retweeted that that GIF like two years ago? And it was just some stupid. It's Trump golfing, and then someone superimposed when when Hillary was walking up the the stairs to Air Force One, and she tripped and fell in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I'm not. I've I, I voted on both sides of the aisle. I don't have any agenda. Was that, stu- that was a really. It was a stupid. Yeah, it was a stupid. It was just a stupid little gif, right? It's something. It was like fourth grade humor. Ha ha. She got hit with the golf ball. Ha ha ha. They, you Twitter flagged Trump for promoting violence because he retweeted that. Meanwhile, that that comedian who was that girl that tweeted that picture of her and she had a rubber right, right, right. She had the head of Trump holding the decapitated right. head of Trump. That's okay. That's okay. And the thing is, is I agree, though. I do think that's okay. I think it's extremely offensive, but I think it's the First Amendment. So Childish Gambino song, Shooting the Guy in the Head, that that woman holding Trump's rubber head, distasteful, sure. Gross, sure. Violent, sure. Offensive to me, sure. I think that's still free speech. So I think that is okay. But let me be okay too, right? Let me tell my right. thing and Dale shooting somebody in the head on a military mission. <laughs> well, I think I think the move now, right now, is to is to have uh, Facebook and Twitter, um, you know, investigated by the FTC, right? Because if they're just content providers, right, without you know policing their content, you know, they're no longer arbitrary, right? Yeah. They're actually, you know, they, they can't be considered. What do you call that? Um, Plat- I guess non-biased platform right? versus publisher, right? Isn't that right? It? So there's a whole that that whole line that they're crossing now. So and, and I see it too. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Alex Jones, or you know, <laughs> I think he's really off the off the he's, wall. He's I mean, funny. He's, he's funny, but yeah, no, I'm with you. He's yeah, he's, he's I mean, he's not my news source. <laughs> right, right. He's not. But I mean, you need to give a guy like that 
you know, a pedestal. You, you yes. got to get all these guys like a time, you know, to yes. talk, right? Because, you know, it's a, demo- it's a republic. It's a, you know, we have free speech, right? And I don't know what it is with people. I know, I mean, I grew up in, I grew up with, you know, sticks and stones, you know, yeah. break my yeah, balls. But words, words can never, can never hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. What happened right. to that? So, you know, it's, it's basically George Orwell's trying to control speech, yeah. right? I mean, they're trying to what you can say and how you can say certain things, right? And um, I mean, we need more people to just say, you know, that's not cool. I'm not, I'm not with that program, right? Yeah. And um, I get to say what I want to say outside of being a threat, you know, and saying fire, you know, yeah, in front sure, of lobby, sure, sure, sure. right? No, there... I should be able to express my opinion. So if this guy is, you know, he's a jerk, I should be able to say, I don't like this guy. Yeah. Why do I have to be nice to him, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and, you have to, yeah, you have to give people like that. It's. Uh, Ed Snowden said it on he did a, a second Joe Rogan interview he did one last year in 2019 and he did one two days ago and um, Ed Snowden like him or not he, he's very well yeah. spoken he has a great book called Permanent Record um, but he so, but I, I just I just watched one little like 10 second clip yesterday and he was talking on Rogan and he was saying he's like you can't he's like so he's like let's just use an example censoring Nazis and he goes, no, I don't mean a white suburban guy voting for Trump. That's not a Nazi. Just because you don't like someone doesn't make them a Nazi. He goes, real life, goose-stepping, shaved head, hate anyone but white people Nazis. He goes, those people exist. They're despicable, but they exist. He goes, when you kick them off your platform, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, they don't go away. They go onto their own forums, and that is where extremism festers it's a lot like I, I have a biology degree it's a lot like the galapagos islands right what happens there's a land bridge or through some way or another a bird or a turtle gets out there and then it get, gets cut off for a hundred million years it bubbles into its weird its own evolutionary branch that looks nothing like anything else because it's cut off from the rest of the world the rest of the world's evolving and everything's intermingling and breeding and but then you have one thing on this secluded island and they just they just evolved so they could crack nuts and get the get the protein out of the nut, unlike any other animal in the world because they were secluded. So, when you ban these things from the internet, despicable. It is the, the Nazis are it, they're horrific. No one's doubting that. But if you ban that, they're not going away. If anything, you have now made them martyrs in their own eyes. You've now given them a chip on their shoulder. So instead of them not getting followers, be how it should be they they go out there and they're just spewing hateful stuff everyone goes man i don't want to be around you you're terrible you're you're you you know you're a thousand years in the stone age leave them alone they'll die off on their own but when you yeah. kick them off and they go into a metaphorical their mom's basement right or their own clubhouse that's where it festers and then what happens you know what's the quote when you cut out a man's tongue you're not silencing him you're just making everyone curious what he was saying. So now Alex Jones, who's screaming about interdimensional vampires sucking the souls out of kids, but when that is unilaterally banned by by Amazon, Apple, Facebook, YouTube, does that not just make you a little more curious to go, well, what is yeah, he saying? Exactly. And so now I go there and instead of finding the real incendiary things he's talking about, maybe campaign donations or gun running instead you are now just giving more oxygen to that fire because now i'm going 
oh, so there there are interdimensional aliens inside, right? And so now you're just making the problem a thousand times worse, right? It's you you ban it, you make it a lot. I went to private Catholic school for twelve years, and I can tell you the things that were banned are the things that we did a lot, right? It's just it, that that's human nature. It's I don't know how we got into this spot, but this is where we are now, Tony. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think there's a push to move the country more towards like a social sure. socialistic marks this type of uh, um you know i i don't want to say government but more of a system right and you can see that i mean sure. i if you know I, I you know my parents grew up during the korean war and um they, they there's a lot of anecdotal stories of what happened during the war you know how it went back and forth and you know how basically the civilians suffered a lot of them suffered and just some of the propaganda that was used you know on just you know regular civilians in terms of trying to get them to come up to the north right to be part of the communist uh, north, north korea mm-hmm. so a lot of things that i'm hearing now is very similar you know i mean um you know they're looking for like blm right and they're looking for they're, they're not like i mean anybody who does any sort of you know superficial homer could find out they're not really about black lives now you know? they're not about that they're quote you know, trained marxists yeah, Antifa is not anti-fascist. Those guys are the fascists. Those <laughs> are the modern day pictures. They know? are. I, I mean, it's really it's 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 appalling to see that because I don't know if they realize that. They're, I mean, they're just like a mindless gaggle of like these. I call me you, you know the twenty thirty year old guys, right? Or people. But yeah, they're they're the modern day brown shirts. They're trying to uh, instigate change through force. Through violence. You know, um, there, yeah. there's no dialogue, right? Um, they're, they're tearing statues down. They're, they're doing, they're, they're one, they're trying to uh, do revive what Mao did with cultural revolution, which is getting rid of the past. Yeah. So if you go to China, there's nothing historical in China. You know what they do? They tear down the historical stuff and they'll build it like new and say, this is the historical thing that we built. Yeah. If you want to see Chinese culture, uh, you have to go to Taiwan. My wife is Taiwanese. So okay. if you want to see Chinese history, Chinese culture, you go to China, you know, Taiwan, and you can see what. China was democratic, right, and, and they became a republic rule, right, then they would emulate what with, with Taiwan has right now, which is, I mean, they're, you know, they're getting up there, right? I mean, in terms of the PPE equipment and how they handle the virus and, you know, what they're doing right now to counterbalance China's influence in South China Sea, you know, so there's a lot of that going on. But yeah, if you want to see historical China, that's that's Taiwan. If you want to see some, something that's... Uh, you know, uh, an aberration. That's the Chinese Communist Party, yeah. right? They basically totally screwed up, like all the places in China that that should have been done, you know, and preserved, right? Historical sites and whatnot. I mean, it's all basically, and, and a lot of it was like, a lot of these local guys, you know, local government officials. I mean, when you have a system where you got to lie to move up, right? You got to constantly lie to your, your, yeah, everything's cool, and you're moving up. Then you, <laughs> it's like, it's, I mean, you got you. There's, no, there's really nothing concrete, right? Yeah. And the only thing that's kept that economy going was because they've been expanding and we've been financing that, sending all of our manufacturing stuff over there, right? So um, 40, that's why, you know, they're able to, you know, literally paper over all that mistake. But then now with what's going on there now uh, with the floods, you know, and um, how, they're, how they dealt with the virus. And just, I, I think my, you know, my feeling is that the people, the Chinese people themselves, they're not happy. Yeah, no, I mean, they see what's going on, and and, and I think there's going to be some sort of a groundswell that's going to build, 
where you'll have maybe perhaps fractionalization within China. You know, if you look at Chinese history, they've always been like that. They come together, the and usually, yeah. right? And they all fractionalize into little faction warlords, right? Yeah. So, who knows? You know? Well, one thing the Chinese Communist Party always goes back to is a period in China called the Warring States, and that's where a lot of their current uh, doctrine is based off of is the Warring States period. And that's that's what Brigadier General Robert Spaulding writes about. That's also what um, I think former Deputy of Defense under Reagan, Michael Pillsbury, in his book, 100-Year Marathon, also writes about. All their stuff is based off, that is their that is their doctrine. And it's, yeah, it's the, the constantly lying. To me, is that, that just sounds like Chernobyl. <laughs> just, everything's fine. I asked him, everything's fine. I asked him, everything's fine. I asked him, eyeballs are falling out because radiation poisoning. He's not a patriot, you know, just shut up. And it's just ignore it all. And then, yeah, 15,000 rent in. You know, I, I, was, I was in elementary school when Chernobyl happened. Oh, yeah? I was in sixth grade. Were you in uh, Germany? Fifth, sixth grade. Were you in Germany? Yeah. And, and there was a time when AIDS came out. Like, what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, the 80s were kind of weird, you know? Yeah. We had like a nuclear plant meltdown. We had like a, this new disease that was developing. It was just, yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. Maybe that's good to look at is to keep it in perspective, right? Think of like 80s, Chernobyl, AIDS. We have Russia and America going at it with 70,000 nuclear-tipped warheads pointing at each other. Yeah. Reagan announcing the Strategic Defense Initiative, lasers in space. And we got through it. So that gives me hope that, like, we'll get through the 2020s. Well, from from what I've read is because of the leadership and. And so, especially Gorbachev, uh-huh. I mean, he knew what was happening. He knew what was right? coming, and then too, Yeltsin yeah. too. And then Yeltsin came after. They they saw the writing on the wall. Oh yeah. But but we screwed them, right? Because I mean, you talk to anybody from Eastern Europe, they'll tell you like that. Yeah, the Soviets they needed help. Yeah. And they reached out to the Americans like, hey, listen, you know, we're gonna implode, so we need to like get some capitalistic ideas and stuff. And but I mean. We screwed them in a way, right? I mean, Americans went there and we kind of took advantage of the situation. And then what ended up happening is, like, the, the same guys that were running the, the, the Stasi, I mean, not Stasi, that's Eastern, but the, the KGB, you know, these, they FSB. actually became the industrialists, right? Yeah, the oligarchs, yeah. It's, that's yeah, one the thing. Oligarchs. Yeah, they became the oligarchs. That's one thing we did in the late 80s is we actually made sure that all bank loans would get denied to anything that was going over there because we just said kill them. Like, kill them at the currency source. No new lifeblood. No new oxygen. Just let them suffocate. One thing we did was we actually, we found out that they were ordering, um, not ordering. We found out that they were stealing schematics from um, a Canadian defense industry, which was, like, American subsidized. Fancy way of saying we found out they were stealing, like, American defense secrets. Nothing new. And instead instead of slapping them on the hand, what the CIA did was... They said let it keep going, but what the CIA did was now it gets it now gets all sexy. The CIA went and and they placed their own and this is in this is in um uh, a book called Dead Hand. We went in uh-huh. and we put our agents in there, and we sabotaged the things getting stolen so that they would work for a little bit, just enough that you'd go okay it works and then leave. Right. Things like oil refineries, things like uh, stuff that would. Uh, run train routes into schedules just enough that they would leave it and then there'd be some arctic oil station and everything would spin out of control and explode but the entire thing it wasn't to kill people it was to just kill their economy 
and the largest before the Halifax explosion of the early 1900s, the largest non-nuclear explosion ever seen from space was from one of these oil refinery plants that blew up from something we sabotaged that they were stealing because we were like, let them have it. To the point where Reagan was actually notified. He was there, there was like, there's a flash from space. We think it's a nuclear thermal pulse. And they had to bring Reagan in and kind of read him in. They're like, no, 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 no. We're just being super sneaky. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, but it's on that note, it's there is nothing is off the table from blowing up oil refineries too. I've asked the Delta Force guy about this and he, well, he kind of laughed at me, but is, do you not think that there could be foreign, because this is another thing you dropped in your comment in YouTube was like, we've seen Marxism before and that's why we're so against it. This isn't the 1992 LA riots where it's kind of just burning and looting. There's absolutely a political undertone to it, right? They're, yeah. they're running in, they're, they're using a battering ram of saying Black Lives Matter and you know, the orange man is a fascist, but there is absolutely, yeah. These guys are getting on planes. They're getting on planes and crossing state lines. You know, I recently in Portland, there was two two girls from Redondo Beach, which is here in California, that were arrested in Portland. They're like 19 and, and 22, something like that, or 24, two sisters. You know, and the reason why I, I know about them is because their dad works for a company that I have a really good friend that works at the same company. You know, they're finan- he's a financial planner. And is, you know, but... Yeah, these guys, it's not It's not like the 92 riots where you would have people coming on, you know, for opportunity, right? I'm going to get me a TV, I'm going to get this, right. get that. It's not, you know, right now, it's, let, let's just burn and, and just break stuff apart and just like, you know, create mayhem, right? And it's like, a, what a, I think a lot of people know, these are not people who live in that neighborhood. No. Right? No. So... So yeah, in the riots, I mean, there was an interview, I don't know if they still have it, but they asked, there was a Hispanic employee, like, hey, why are you standing with the Korean guys, right? I mean, Jamal goes, well, because, you know, I won, I work here, and two, I mean, this is the closest store my mom can go to. If, if this place burns down, she's got to take the bus another five, five miles down, right? So, I mean, there's some thought process in terms of, okay, we're not happy, we're going to protest, we're not going to burn down the store that my mom goes and buys milk and yeah, eggs, right? I mean, yeah. I mean who, who thinks like that? It's, right? It's yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That's that's real brilliant logic. If things are bad here, so we're gonna burn down all the Wendy's and the Teslas and the Apple stores. That's really gonna make these companies want to come bring their business back even further, right? Like, holy cow! It's, it's, it's well, and th- and that's why a lot of the stuff that's happening. These aren't, I, in my opinion, these aren't locals that are. No, they're not. It's proven people. that they're not. Yeah, they're out of out of the area. Wasn't it, right? was it May or June? Because uh, I lived at Atlanta for 15 years. And I remember a lot of my friends were posting videos from like their balconies of like people riding and stuff. And one of them, it was the most like beautiful red pill. She was like posting a video and she was like, like, we stand with you. And the guy looked up to her and said, well, you know, I know your kids are going to watch this, so I won't repeat the expletives. But basically, we know where you live, whitey. And she was like, no, I stand with you. And they were like, we're coming back for you. And she was like, I stand with you. And I was like, I was like, oh, no. It's, it's like everyone saying, like, we're, we're marching for Iran. We're we, you know, LGBT for Iran. Dude, do you know what they do there? <laughs> you, know, that, you know what's another cringy thing I saw? Was when uh, this, this guy, he's probably like a six-foot black dude who runs up to this, like, short white girl. Says, you know, I'm here 
president of BLM told me that all white people have to kneel and like say apologize. Oh, yeah. I mean, so she gets on. Did you see that? I saw that. I saw she that. And then, and then some people are saying like, oh, because she's apologizing. No, because she's probably scared. Yeah. You know. And not only that, it's like, dude, it's like just some stranger comes up to you, say, hey, you know, like some, like some big dude, right? Big. I mean, she's like a skinny white, you know, woman, right? <laughs> I mean, what do you want me to do? Get on my knees and apologize? All right. Well, I mean, <laughs> what do you it's, want me to say? yeah, it's. And there's one of two options for there's one of two explanations and they're both terrible one you're either scared and so it's just out of yeah. fear or two you believe that you owe someone an apology for something you didn't yeah. do for something that didn't right. happen to that person they're both horrible options but yeah it's it's weird man there is a I, but i don't think i don't think this can go forever i think you can only push so far against sanity i think you can only censor so many people and that's just, I mean, but that's just history in general. It's going to pop back. It's going to pop back in the opposite. It always happens. Because Americans, we, I got to say, we're like the nice people, right? I mean, if you think about it, we take in people from other countries that are war-torn, right? I mean, that's why we got a big Vietnamese population in Texas, right? Because of the Vietnam War, they all went to Texas, right? I mean, you can only, in, in America, I mean, you can only push Americans so far. Right. I mean, we want to be cool and everything, but at a certain point, we're like, you know, no more. You know, that's yeah. it. This is yeah. the line. It's sad. That's yeah. It, you know? Hey, we stayed out of World War One. You know, my still unleashed program. We stayed out of World War One, and then you bombed our uh, Hawaiian bases. So you know, we went and threw a million men at the beaches of Normandy, made Hitler shoot himself, and then dropped two nukes on the sovereign nation of Japan. Like, <laughs> you know, just don't push us, because it, it will come back. Right? Yeah. It's like a. Uh, it's like George. I mean, I think, I think most people are. Alive. You know, and I mean, the, you can see the, the Korean, you know, uh, Korean people during the 92 riots were like that, too. I mean, these are spectacled looking gentlemen. They look harmless, whatever, yeah. but they're up there with. And it's it's not like they're trying to be hard or anything or no. like trying it's, to flex. It's but just, it's like, it's like, just whoa, the thing that needed to, know, yeah, like, it's just the thing that needed to be done. On? Yeah. It's just when you the know? time called, they stepped up. It was. um so one thing I did as I went on uh, the subreddit, uh, uh, do you use Reddit? Are you familiar with Reddit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I went to the, the subreddit, uh, Roof Koreans, and there's t there's a 10,000 person subreddit about Roof Koreans. And uh, wow. yeah, so I asked them to post some questions. I actually got some questions that they want me to ask you. Would you okay. be so kind to answer them? There's there's nothing there's nothing bad or anything. No, no, no. I'm, I'm... You good with it? All right. And, um, yeah, I know. Yeah. So, so some person said I have several, so I'll just read part. I'll just do it in parts. So the first person, Furioso 86, shout out Furioso 86. As a Korean American during the tumultuous time, what was their personal experience with sentiment towards the Korean community? Because LA being generally very multicultural and Koreatown being in the center of the city, it must've been a mixed uh, bag of both good and bad. So what was their experience? Yeah. What was their personal experience with sentiments towards the Korean community? That's a good question. I think it depends on which generation you ask, right? So at that time, I was 19. Right? So I was, you know, I'm, I'm first generation Korean here. I came here when I was uh, six. Right? So um, I raised here. Right? And then my parents, you know, they're much older. Right? And then my brother was born here. Right? So it depends who you ask that question to. Right? So you know, in, before the riots, like in my world, I mean, I was good. I mean, we didn't, I didn't 
didn't have any problems with any sort of uh, you know race. I mean, I grew up in Hollywood, and we had a multicultural like neighborhood. I had like South Iranians, Mexicans, we had Armenians, we had blacks, Caribbean blacks, we had Jamaican black, we had Samoans, um, Koreans, Chinese, Filipinos, kind of spackle of Vietnamese. I mean, it was just a whole bunch of different people, right? So, um, I mean, culturally speaking, I mean, I felt American, right? I mean, I grew up in the 80s. I watched MTV, you know, um, you know, did all the stuff that I guess, you know, you do as a kid growing up, you know, in the 90s. But I was more on the, 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 the more colorful side. It's probably the best way I could put it. I was, sure. Yeah, so I got into a lot of trouble, right? Um, yeah, so in, in my, from my point of view, I think there wasn't a problem. So when that happened and then the shop started burning, that's when it really, you know, it kind of it, it felt real because uh, I, I knew there was always some undertone between the black and Asian community, especially with my dad's generation. And you can see it in movies like uh, Spike Lee had a movie called... Um, it's not it's not fight power it's it's there was a spike lee movie that came out um it was an old movie but in it he had like a korean market store owner and in the movie i forgot i think it's it's like Power. i think it's that i it's gotta look it up but um it was basically a movie and it was in the black neighborhood the, the korean store and this is before the riots right yeah so something happens and i think uh they went off and then he's like holding a broom and he's like, you know, swinging at these guys like, you know, you're black, I'm black too, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, so he, and then the guy has a thick accent, right? So, you know, he just, you know, I came from wherever, like maybe a, a few years ago, right? Yeah. But I think it depends who you ask. But for, for me, um, after that happened, um, I mean, I looked at hip hop a little differently too because um, I grew up with NWA, Ice Cube, right? And then Ice Cube had a song, right? Um, that, that depicted Asians, like Koreans, in a, in, a, in a negative manner. And after that, I was like, ah, I'm done with Ice Cube. I wasn't okay. him anymore, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but growing up, it was just like, okay, we had this, you know, I saw more as a friction between the older generation, like my dad and them, right? I mean, we kind of understood, like, the culture better, right? Uh, but at the same time, it didn't sit right with us, with, with what happened, right? Um, but in the end, I... Like just like it smoothed over, you know. So like anything else, given enough time, things kind of smooth over a little bit, you know. And then as one generation gets older, they kind of learn, you know, to to be a little different. And then you know we're kind of helping with that transition too, because they're seeing us grow, you know. And we have I have kids now, mm-hmm. right? And they're seeing them, and you know, it just it's like any I guess you can say any immigrant story of any group that you have in America, right? Whether it's the Italians, the Irish, Koreans, Chinese, whoever. You know, the first generation that comes, there's always a struggle, mm-hmm. right? Trying to fit in, trying to assimilate, right? And then in that struggle, um, I don't know about other families, but I know in our, in our family, there's a lot of friction because there's a cultural clash between me and then our parents' generation, right? Mm-hmm. We're trying to be American. They're uh-huh. trying to retain the old ways of being uh-huh. Korean, you know? You know, so it's not anything new, but it's just a little different dynamic because it's modern now, mm-hmm. right? Versus like you read about the Irish at the turn of the century, this is more... You know more modern i think the veins are still similar in terms of struggles and the hurdles that every immigration group goes through and then you know once they kind of become more americanized that's when you see like the kids change right then the kids you know they do different things right become cops right firefighters going to politics business whatever you know and that's where they become more american mm-hmm. but that that transition needs to happen and there's always i've seen in, in my you know my readings of the past there's always a friction you know some some point 
that they go through and before they become, I guess you can say, more assimilated, more Americanized, right? They kind of, you know, fit in with the culture. So yeah, I hope that answers that. Question. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think it does. No, there's always there's always like a yeah, there's always a, a growing period. I mean, I moved around as a lot as a kid. I was in like a different school every like four years, and that sucked. But yeah, I, I could point to that. Yeah, your first. I think that's probably why I can talk to anyone for like podcasts now. It's because I just got used to it where I was like, it didn't matter if it was New Hampshire, Arkansas, Maryland, Maine, Georgia. I was just like, there's just going to be this like grace period. And I just started to accept it. And so I, I vividly remember in like multiple different states over different years, I have like multiple memories of like the first recess or the first wherever high school lunch where it's just like, I'm the new guy here. And it's just like, suck it up. Like, it's gonna suck, so just start talking to people and get it over with sooner than later. And then, sure enough, there's gonna be some other new kid, and all the direct, it's all gonna be pointed at him. And then, whatever is, you know, it was nothing against me. It was just that's just what it was. It was just, you know, it's, and I, I think it it's probably takes place on a much bigger scale with entire cultures, right? First generation immigrant, second generation clash with their own parents. But it's like it almost, it like it drops. It's almost like a drop of dye landing in water. At first, it's like, boom, and then it starts to just mushroom out and then it all disperses into a homogenous you know i don't know why I, why i felt the need to comment on your your answer but yeah um next part of that from the same guy knowing that koreatown and korean-owned businesses were disproportionate i really gotta go to the bathroom tony can you fill the air for like 30 seconds just <laughs> to, to, to... okay all right well everybody stay tuned for 30 seconds <laughs> Thank you for your patience, everybody. I had to use the bathroom. I hope one day, I hope one day I, this podcast gets bigger. Get some cool camera equipment. I just got back, so we're good. It's uh, I used to edit those out. Now I just don't care. Now I'm just like, you know what? Go to the bathroom. It's stay tuned. Whoever's listening, you can go to the bathroom too. It's cool. Um, part two of that question. <laughs> Knowing that Koreatown and Korean-owned businesses were disproportionately targeted compared to other businesses, do they personally feel the looters had anti-Korean sentiment, or were they just opportunists? You kind of touched on that earlier. Yeah, I think it's both. Yeah, you know, after what you know with Latasha Harlins, you know, just you know, the, 
just cultural differences, right? Um, and that was the big one. But you talk about the everyday, because my dad had a store over on Florence and uh, um, Alameda, which is more of a predominantly Hispanic neighborhood, right? Okay. But we had, you know, black customers come in from time to time, right? And um, yeah, I mean, it really depends. But there's there's always, I'm going to say this because I know I don't, you know, whatever, but in, in, in that neighborhood, you have like certain black people that are very belligerent, right? They got an attitude. And it doesn't matter how you try to talk to them, they're just not going to hear it. Sure. Right? So, so, you know, culturally speaking, uh, like my dad's generation, they see that as an affront. Mm-hmm. And they're very offended by that, right? Sure. And you talk, you talk about a culture that's very uh, 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 masculine, right? Korean culture is very masculine, it's very patriarchal, right? So you take that and you take that affront, I mean, you're going to have friction, right? I mean, yeah. it's like, man, you, you dishonored me yeah. right? by speaking to me this way and yeah. being this way. So, And then for that person, right? I mean, it could be black or Hispanic. They're just being them, yeah. right? They're just yeah. being how they are, yeah. right? So you have all these things where it's like it didn't mesh well, right? Yeah. And so so when it happened, I'm sure it was both parts. It was part of it. It was very oppor- you know, opportunistic, uh-huh. you know, free stuff. Right, free stuff, and the second thing is like free stuff, and against these guys, I don't really. I don't like them anyway. Right? Yeah, so yeah, two birds with one stone but, kind of thing. But there's bright spots uh, that I don't think the news covered. Where there was one article I read, there was a Korean store owner, it was a family that would. Um, they're really, really um, close in terms of the community, so they would have like week, you know, monthly barbecue, right, with the community. Stores like that didn't get affected. Mm. Right? Because they tied themselves in with the community, right? And they, they knew who the people were. And so if a knucklehead, knucklehead came in, right, they knew who his parents were, right? I know who your mom is. Mm-hmm. I know who your grandma is. I know who your uncle is, right? He'll, he'll get you straight. He'll set you straight. He's going to kick you, yeah. Without that connection, right, it's like, you know, you don't have that tie. So it no longer becomes like, you know, it's, it's not our store. It's a B store, right? It's the Korean store, right? It's not our Korean store, these Korean guys, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's those Korean guys, so those yeah. back Koreans. Right? So because of that, I mean, um, I mean that that one that family that had that store, I mean, they were untouched. I mean, I mean, the, the black community came together for them in that neighborhood, right? And basically protect the store, make sure nothing happened. You know, but yeah. the news doesn't cover stuff like that. Yeah. Right? It's just, well, that, that doesn't make money. That doesn't make money. <laughs> yeah, it's no one wants to hear. Yeah, I've always want, thought about that, man. What if there was just a positive news network? What if there was just PNN? And they were just like, today we, you know, we made headway against a new, uh, a new anti-cancer therapy. And you know, here ten thousand people got drinking water, but no one, it doesn't lead. It's, it's always got to be shootings and rapes, and it's like, yeah, man, what if it's just like they say, if, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, like right, they say. right. It's if it's peace, no one cares. That doesn't even rhyme. See, there's no yeah. good rhyme. It's yeah, <laughs> yeah. This person asked a lot of questions. Three. What part three? What guns did they use to take up arms, and were they legally owned at the time? Were they afraid of police rep- reprisals? So you talked about that. It was a there's there's a there's a, there a Beretta, a twelve gauge. Why? What? what pre, pre, police? Re, excuse me, I'm having a stroke. Police reprisals. What about? Uh, that's a good question. But honestly, at that time, like, like it didn't matter. I mean, honestly, I mean. There were guys, uh, like I wrote, there was um, on, people can Google me and Google the past, but on Western and, and uh, Noy Knight, which is like near uh, the, 
the west side of Koreatown. There's a gun store that's there in the yeah. plaza. And uh, I've known that gun store because my, my, you know, one of my friend's family, um, they lived uh, like a block away. Uh-huh. They lived one block away. And we used to go to that plaza to go eat and go hang out. There used to be a Korean gun store there. But that gun store basically gave out arms and shells. So he, you get it like a revolver or a handgun with a shell, and he'd be like, hey, man, here you go. Uh, you know, bring it back. Pay me when, you, when it's all said and done, and then we'll settle, settle up, right? So yeah, I'm sure a lot of these guns are they're not they weren't legally registered. There's no background <laughs> check, right? It's just out there. And the types of guns that were out there, let's see. Um, a lot of long rifles, right? A lot of hunting type of guns. Um, I saw a Tech Nine out there. Um, that's like a yeah. I don't know if it was full auto, yeah. but I saw Tech Nine. Uh, a lot of shotguns, a lot of Remingtons, right? And then this is the '90s, so it wasn't Glock; it was Berettas. Yeah, right? a lot of Berettas. Yeah, right? uh, a movie, um, Lethal Weapon. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a movie Did with you? Danny Glover and um, what's his name? Uh, uh, I see his face. Lethal Weapon. But you know what? That, that's that's Mel. That's Mel. Yeah, that's Mel Gibson, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Danny Glover, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, yeah. nine millimeter, correct? Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, is it nine? FS, yeah, so that, yeah, so those guns, a lot of nines, um, but yeah, it wasn't like you know, anyone brought out like a 50 cal or anything like that. Was, that's what you, know? you need, that's what you need, man. That's 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 got me thinking now. I'm like, man, just seeing this now, COVID and all the riots, I'm like, man, if this podcast ever makes money, I'm gonna make sure I have like a, an up armored Humvee with like a 50 cal mounted on top, just in case, just in case, because if yeah. I've always thought about that. Like, man, you have a 50 cal. You could shoot through two stores. You don't stores. need to do that, bro. <laughs> Just go on the rooftop. Yeah, yeah, rooftop. Great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna come Just out there. Just be rooftop American, man. Rooftop American. I'm gonna come out there, man. I'm <laughs> part of you guys. I'm gonna be like, I'm here. <laughs> rooftop American. Have you seen? Um, have you heard of a uh, Johnny Kim? He's like the all American. I believe he's Korean. He was a Navy SEAL. He did a hundred combat missions as a Navy SEAL. Wasn't satisfied with that, so he went to Harvard Medical School, got his MD. Wasn't satisfied with that, and now he just got into the American astronaut program. So he's the he's the Navy SEAL astronaut, Harvard doctor, and uh, but he, yeah, yo, he's awesome. But uh, I watched a podcast with him, and yeah, someone, some, I think it was Roof Koreans. I saw the joke, and it was like he's Korean. If he goes into space, if he becomes part of like Space Force. He will have the ultimate rooftop. He will be the ultimate rooftop Korean. He will have the ultimate high ground, space-based orbital. <laughs> he will be space Korean, the ultimate rooftop. If he has a kinetic bombardment, yeah, not even just any kinetic bombardment weapon. The ultimate high ground, the ultimate rooftop Korean. He's it's over. The game's yeah. over. <laughs> from the space station, right? Yeah, exactly. From the space station. Get on top of the space station. You are the rooftop. You are the rooftop of the world. I thought that was funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that guy would have been the guy that my parents would have been like. Why can't you be more like John Kim, right? Well, my, why are you doing what uh, doing what you're doing? Why my, can't you be more like him? Look at him. Yeah, I know. Like, why why can't you do that? My uh, my from I went to the University of Georgia and graduated in 2013. But my Korean friend there, Sung Yup Bike Beck, he doesn't care. He's a physician now. He's a pharmacist, and he has he has a PharmD in it. New York University. I was actually in Georgia for a summer. Uh, oh, yeah. I was visiting visiting friends over in him. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was uh, Cobb County. Yeah, 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 yeah. I went to high school in Atlanta, and I went to the University of Georgia. I love Georgia, man. People are so friendly there. I got yeah. on the, the, is it the MARTA? Is yeah, they, yeah, yeah, MARTA, there? yeah. Yeah, I got on the MARTA, man, and it was so weird because when you get on the bus in L.A., you just go find your seat and sit down. 
But I got on the martyr and I was shocked because it was in the morning. Everyone's saying hi, good morning. It's a party. It's crazy. It's like they all but I didn't know them. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, dude. I lived there from 2001 till 2016. Well, UGA is in Athens. But yeah, man, it's I've, I never had a, maybe it was just luck. I never had a problem. Not once, not ever. I Yeah, it, it's fun. It's crazy. There's definitely a lot of shootings. But like, I always remember Marta is like, we would get, you know, high school, we would get, you know, we put vodka in water bottles and go to a Braves game. I always remember the best part of the night was was going home on Marta. Because it was just crazy. It was just crazy. It was always just like, yeah, it was insane. It was like a big party. There was no fear of ever getting shot. Maybe we were just young and drunk. I don't know. Maybe there was a real danger of getting shot, and I just don't remember it. I liked it. I still have a special place in my heart for Georgia. But my friend uh, Sung Yup, uh, I can't even, S-E-S-E-U-N-J-Y-H-U-P, he went to UGA with uh-huh. me, and his parents were first generation, I think, uh, from Korea, and they owned a laundromat, and he now he's a doctor. And I remember he always used to say to me, he'd be like, dude, you don't understand. He's like, I don't have a choice. I have to be a doctor. And I, was like, I was like, yeah, man, I just like want to do it. And he was like, oh, man, I have to do it. And so, yeah. Look, I came in second place. Second place? That's the first place for losers. <laughs> that's the first. You didn't achieve enough. You didn't get it. But that's, yeah, that's, I feel that when I see, because he became a pharmacist and then went and got his mm-hmm. MD afterwards. And I can only imagine wow. it was like, PharmD, why not MD? But, yeah, I remember asking him, I was like, what do you think about Johnny Kim? And then he was like, I hate him. <laughs> why aren't you Navy SEAL? Why aren't you Harvard? How come you're not astronaut? Like, I'm trying. Yeah, I used to have um, when I, we used to live in when I lived in Hollywood um, in elementary school. I used to have this uh, uh, Korean neighbor, uh, family friend. They had two daughters, and one of the girls was about my age, and uh, it was always all, all I heard. Why can't you be more like her? She's getting an A. You gotta be. Why she's in this class? Why are you in that class? You know, it was just. <laughs> and I think you know because for you know for for us you know Korean uh, a lot of education is really important. You yeah. know and. Um, you know, when, when I first, when we came here, I was, you know, I, I kind of screwed up because I was in a highly gifted program when I was a kid. And then uh, I, you know, re- rebelled. And, uh, and then I had some stuff happen. My mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And then I just had a really, uh, uh, a lot of friction with my dad. You know, so uh, that was when I was like 14. Mm-hmm. So when I was like 19 at that point, I mean, my dad kind of considered me a man. And, you know, we didn't really, yeah. you know, um, you know, we don't really connect a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I think a lot of sons and fathers, I see that, you know, it's in my generation. Yeah. You know, I talk to a lot of Korean guys my age, and, and they all say the same thing. And it's because, you know, our parents grew up during the war, and things were really hard, you know, and these they grew up during the war as kids. Yeah. You know, so they had to shine shoes, and things were tough, and, you know, there were rations, and you couldn't get stuff, you know. So when they come here, it's, you know, they have an opportunity, so they're really they push they push yeah. us right they push the kids yeah you know like hey you really got to do this you know because then you have this better life and whatnot so yeah yeah it, it makes sense i mean yeah you have that generation that grew up in the depression the dust bowl world war right. ii literal nazis yeah i mean i definitely see where they come from where it's like and then everything settles down and you're like oh my god like go out and get it while you can right because it's everything's yeah. calm for a minute they didn't know it was going to be seven or eight decades of peace and prosperity, relative peace and prosperity. Still things, Vietnam, Desert Storm, 9-11, sure. But, yeah, I mean, I definitely, whoops. Keep that. Go away. 
you can tell you can tell how jerry rigged this podcast still is because there are phone calls emails popping up one day i'll look back at it and laugh but yeah it's um yeah i think that's probably a pretty like basic thing for like all of human history clashes between dads and sons i mean i feel like that goes back to that's like right that, that goes back to every ancient script right it's yeah i think it's pro- probably a lot more in with with koreans it's how come you're not this but i was lucky i had three smart brothers so thanks for telling me about john kim yeah i know right you're lucky man you're lucky johnny okay. kim yeah What's that? i said you're lucky johnny kim is he's i think he's he's definitely he's after your generation but maybe he's mine i think he's in his like mid-30s yeah you're lucky okay. you screwed it he's after he's- yeah, yeah, you're yeah, lucky. I'm glad, I'm glad he's not in the same generation. That's what I'm saying, man. Because my parents were perfect. <laughs> yeah, why aren't you John, Johnny Kim? I wonder right. if his parents are like... I wonder if Johnny Kim's... Actually, no. Actually, I believe... Actually, I believe he had a terrible upbringing. I remember hearing him talk on a podcast. I think his, I think his dad tried to kill him and his mom or something. It was like an alcoholic yeah. and pulled a gun on him and they like right. they left. Yeah. It, it just that generation, our, our fathers, you know, that like our parents' generation, um, yeah, they went through some stuff, you know, because yeah. one, they went through the war, and then my parents, they um, they immigrated to Germany, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, they there was a, a an agreement between Germany and South Korea to bring labor over there, nurses. So it's like kind of a vocational program that Germany had. Oh, back then it was called West Germany, right? So West Germany provided this. So a lot of the Korean young, you know, twenty year olds that went there. You know, to get, you know, to go on a trade, to work, send money back home. It's almost like a lot of Filipinos, you know, they do that. You know, they work and they send money back home. It's like a very, uh, like a normal, traditional, normal thing, right? So, um, you know, they go through that and then, you know, they have to learn a different language. And then if, if they come here, you know, um, it's a whole different, you know, dynamic. In Germany, everybody looks, you know, everyone's white german right yeah. I mean, now it's different i think uh, uh berlin has like this, the largest turkish population well yeah well now outside it's, Istanbul, yeah now right? it's germanistan but yeah it's yeah because yeah. there's a lot of people from yeah well, yeah. Um, yeah i mean i mean that's another very you know like just homogenous culture where yeah. just everyone's white you know so as koreans that live there like okay like everyone's the same so we're here you know so but then you come to america especially in la you're like, it's wow, just, you, know, you got everybody, anybody here. Yeah. My uh, my ex-girlfriend in college, her dad was German and from Germany. This dude was like 6'4", blonde hair, blue eyes. He's like, you definitely can tell that there was like a eugenics program like 80 years ago. Because <laughs> you're like, you're like, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like startling. You're like, you're like, wow. Yeah. You're like, wow, you are like the like the Uber mention. You're like, I, duh. You're like, I mean, Hi, props to you. I wish I looked like that, but you know, it's, you're like, oh wow, it's very pr- apparent. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, Sung Yup, he was a uh, he. Uh, whoever's listening to this is probably banging their head. They're like, just answer the questions. But you know, whatever, I don't care. It's my podcast. All right, all right, fine. I'll answer the questions. Fine, Tony. Um, did their post did their post Korean War history and upbringing, and and in quotations, an anti-invader culture, a historical Japanese occupation from Korea. Did their post-Korean history, did the, sorry, did their post-Korean war history and upbringing influence their decision to take up arms, risk their lives, to defend themselves and their livelihood? So did the fact that your parents fought or were after the Korean war influence you? It kind of sounds like it did, because you said you grabbed the Remington and your dad was like, be careful, right? Yeah. 
I think um, it's that. And plus the older generation, they had mandatory four years of service. Mm-hmm. So that helped, you know, for the old generation. But the younger guys like me, I mean, the guys are, you know, I, I did a search on the article where there was a, a someone who commented saying, like, this security guard that, that totally got killed, that was killed during the riots was a young guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like 18 years old and he had a few friends. And, and um, I know a lot of uh, Korean guys that were... Um, little on the rough rough side i mean we we ran patrols i mean it's not like we all coordinated and we knew each other right but we all you know we did what we didn't i mean and the thing is like um my friend's older brothers they 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 knew who you know they know how we were and um you know my friend's older brothers weren't exactly you know a clean cut either they they were a little bit rough they kind of they grew, grew up around uber virgil and and at that time the reason why they were like some of them were like that is because this is the the uh, another wave of Korean immigrants that came in the 70s, like we came in the 70s, right, 1970s and like, so you have a, a new immigrant group that shows up in LA, and then, you know, the kids, like, you know, us, like, I was in elementary school, but his older brother was in uh, junior high school, you know, they run into issues with different groups, right, like, so you got the, the Mexicans, the South Iranians, you know, so they form their own group, right, so, so they form a group of friends, and it becomes a gang, and, you know, they get into trouble and stuff like that, but, um, yeah, guys like me, we basically, I don't know if we, you can say we used, like, you know, our background or what we knew because we knew the streets and we knew kind of the neighborhood, and, you know, you know the, the different groups or gangs that were around, so we knew how to navigate the streets. So um, I know I, I can't speak for others, but I know, um, yeah, we ran patrol that day. You know, so, uh, and then, you know, my, my friend's older brother, he knew, I mean, and he basically told us, go here, go there, pick up lunch, go check on this, go do that. I mean, he was, you know, telling us where to go and, you know, giving us directions. He was about, he was about eight years older than us, you know, at that, at that time. So, um, yeah, but he was behind and they had to stay behind and take care of the shop. Yeah, so younger guys, I mean, I'm not younger guys than me and, you know, my buddy. I'm sure there's others around because I think uh, the article I read, the guy was young. The guy that died. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when we did the, the, the protest parade on Saturday. Uh, his brother was one that was in the front of the parade, holding out a picture. You know, and his and it was. I mean, it was really sad. Mm-hmm. You know, but he led he led that parade on Saturday, and I remember seeing that. But yeah, um, yeah, it was it was just running patrol, dude. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you was I scared or was it this or did we feel like we had to protect? I mean, I, we just had to get down. Yeah. I mean, that's just all it was. You know, it's like, you know, you don't really think about it too much, right? It's like, okay, just go do your thing, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, we were actually actively looking for these. Like, we were trying to hunt these dudes down because they were, you know, these guys would pile up in the car. And then there would be like three or four of these guys, and they would cruise around the block. And they would scope out different areas, you know. And then sometimes they'll take pot shots at us, right? So you could hear gunshots, like, throughout Koreatown here and there. Um, but then whenever we get there, we're always like maybe a few minutes behind, right? Because we're trying to trail where these guys are going at, you know. But I think, thank God, that it didn't come down to a fight between us and them, you know, because then it was, I guess the news had been a lot different in terms of what happened, you know. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, it's not just like, I don't know what you call it, but they weren't just rooftop Koreans, but they were like Koreans on patrol. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Running patrol and stuff. Yeah. stuff. It's not like, you yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a general, it's yeah. Like, yeah, it was not like we were just, you know, some of us 
a lot of the older guys took a defensive position protecting the shot, but the younger guys like me were like, you know, that's that. You know, yeah. I mean, we're gonna go, yeah, we're gonna go, go hunt these dudes down and like, you know, coming after us, right? And yeah. it's not like, you know, you don't really moralize it. No, it's just a matter of like saying this is what, you know this is what we're gonna do because this is what's happening now. I mean, yeah, that comes down to just kind of general like masculinity. Because if like if you don't if you don't meet force and fire with force and fire, if like you let an alpha force come in and 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 you capitulate, that just sets the precedent. That's just the dominoes yeah. falling. You like you have to you you have to meet it immediately. And if they've mm-hmm. already drawn the line or made the first chess move by shooting that guy in the back of the head, you have to you have to bring it back. It's it's yeah. you, you know it's. How come we had to go to Afghanistan or Iraq? How come we had to kill 1.5 million people and destroy their company or their countries and take their oil? I mean, you don't just knock down the twin towers and then us say, "Let bygones be bygones." The brutal reality. Yeah. Why did we have to kill 150,000 civilians in Hiroshima and Nagasaki? You you yeah. you have to meet it, and it's terrible, and that's why war is hell. But like, you have to meet it equally. It's the only way. You have to meet it with an equal force. Right. And the thing I tell, you know, because we do a lot of martial arts at home and my kids do. And I've been doing martial arts for a long time. And, and I tell everybody this and I teach it as well, which is um, you have to if any time you get into a confrontation, you got to let the other person know that you they do not control the level of your response. Right. Yeah. So if they physically assault you or whatever, they're trying to be cute. They do not control the level of your response that you give back. to them. Right? Yeah. So I, you know, I tell my kids that it's like whenever you get into an altercation or whatever, you gotta let your, your your person know. Like, listen, man, you can say whatever you want. If you you're gonna assault me, just know that if you touch me, that the level of response that I have, it's not I gonna be proportionate. Out, you don't control that. Yeah. Right. It's so just be aware of that. Yeah. You know, and usually that dissipates everything. Like, yeah. You know, big, some people think about that, right? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. It's. I mean, I remember growing up, my dad always used to tell me and my brothers, he'd be like, don't start anything, but make sure you finish it. It was yeah. just like, yeah, if someone hits you once, return it with a thousand hits. Go nuts. Go psycho. Like, and, you know, and and and, and create the precedent that it, you don't let that happen. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and it's, and it's a, you know, you can still tell that that's where we are as a, as a species, right? We're not some utopian spacefaring species that we are still at this very primitive, you know, where it's, whether it's military, we're still very much in this weird, like sort of ape cognition, right? They hit you, you hit back. Like it's, that's where we are. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, you have to do that. It's if, if you, if there's going to be an aggressor, you have to turn it up 10 times over and eviscerate them. That's just human nature. And throughout thousands of years, it has not changed. No, you know, not at all. It's got years. better guns. The only, the only difference now, the only difference is that every generation after thinks they were that much smarter than the generation before. That is, yeah, right? that's the standard. Kind of, uh, right? Yeah, but in, in reality, they just didn't have the technology or the, the information. But if you take someone from the past and you pluck them and you put them into the future, be they're fun. gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna assimilate. They're gonna figure stuff out. I mean, that's just the way people are. You know? Yeah. And that's why, you know, going on the flip side of this is talking about racism, right? I mean, if you want to be honest about it, you're always going to have racism, you know? And, and people are always going to maybe not call it racism, but a bias, right? Like, for example, like, um, you know, was it Jeff 
Jesse Jackson says, like, yeah, we're still living in a time where if I'm in a dark, you know, street, or I think he said this, when I'm in a dark street and I hear footsteps behind me, I look behind me, I saw to breathe a sigh of relief when I see it's a white guy, not a black guy that's running behind me, right? Sure. I mean, but that's a box, right? I mean, and I think people still retain that, right? Because there's certain things that you fall back on in terms of what you know, what you've dealt with, certain groups, people, right? And that's what you fall back on. But then that changes once you know the person, right? You get to know their name, their background, you know, what makes them click, this and that. So then they become an individual, right? So then, then it's not racism and bias. They become a person and you relate to them like a person, right? But then before that happens, you always have a certain starting point of what you know of the group of people, right? Like I'm Korean, right? So you probably go, like, oh, these guys probably like eating white rice. Like, yeah, it's true, we do, right? Because you know, it's it's that's that, right? I like white but rice. if someone says, "Hey man," right? if someone says, "Hey man, you like eating white rice," I'm not gonna see that as an insult, right? I'll yeah, say, man, that's insulting, right? Like, you don't eat white rice. I mean, like, what's the point? Yeah, you know right, I mean? right. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, it's like white people. You don't like spicy stuff, and I'm like, no, I do not. I don't fuck that. Excuse me. I'm like, that's not you know, that's not offensive to me. I yeah yeah got off on the rails again. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Right. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. I normally like. For, I like to just. I like the conversations. Just if you can't tell, I just they go way off into the weeds, and I let whatever happens happens. But I have to remember when I have episodes where people have like submitted questions, I gotta like I gotta reel it back in, bring it back to the center right. line. It's it's difficult because I I get so excited. That's what it is. I just get so excited. I start talking. Um, did the riots? Same guy, Furioso eighty six. He's got a lot of good questions. Did the riots, violence, and looting surprise them? What's their sentiments towards general faith in humanity in a large city like in like LA right now? Uh, that's a good question. Wow. Um, yeah, it did surprise everybody. I think you know because I don't think anybody in the Korean Korean community expected stores to burn. Right. Yeah. Um, the last time LA had riots was back in uh, like, the 1960s, the Watts riots. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was the last time LA. Right, so when this happened, I mean, it caught everybody off guard, you know, especially, um, you know, when they start creating fires, not only that, but they start shooting firefighters. That was just, I, I, that blew me away, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't anything that we anticipated. Like I said, there was a lot of tension bubbling underneath that was already there, but this just kind of, you know, brought it all to the surface. Right. So in hindsight, no one should identify as it as it evolves in the world. What was the second part of that question? It was uh hold on, I'm getting I'm getting hold on, I'm getting getting feedback. Feedback. It's the the audio is looping. Do you have headphones? Yeah. Do I have headphones? No. Oh um. Hello, hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I think it stopped. Okay, I think it stopped. All right, all right. Second part of that is it started just repeating. It was you know, and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um. Yeah, so surprise them. What's their sentiment towards... So what's your general faith in humanity now in a large city like L.A.? So how do you feel now? Is it like... I get, I don't know. I guess 2020 is kind of answering that question for you. Like, are we going to be able to retain civility 
so how, how do you feel right now? Because you're still in LA, so yeah, how do you feel about it? Yeah, um, I, I think, yeah, it's different now. Um, it's not the same circumstances, right? Now there is, like we talked about, there's a political undertone. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of this is being spearheaded by BLM, uh, maybe even Antifa mm-hmm. as well. You know, so it's not anything that's, um, I would say, organic, right? That's being kind of, you know, bringing out the people in the neighborhood, right? So this is different. In terms of my perspective, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, in terms of like an, an opinion of what I see with people, um, I think right now people are just being led. You know, they're being led down a certain path with the news, with what's happening. Um, and I think a lot of other people have pointed this out. The news isn't unifying. It's basically dividing all of us, you know, and a lot of people are seeing through that. And I think people have to, like in America, I mean, we have to recognize one, that we're all Americans, you know, and that, you know, at the end of the day, we got to stick together, right? And even though the country isn't perfect, we have all kinds of issues, you know, but it's like a family, you know, it's like, you're gonna have problems with you're gonna have that drunk uncle on you know, Thanksgiving that basically says all the wrong things, <laughs> but you're not gonna deny him a plate of turkey, right? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's that, you know, I, I think um in, in my perspective, I don't the riots were like they were messed up. You know, they're really messed up, but in terms of my faith in people and how I see people, you know, man, I grew up with um with so many different kind of cultures around me. And even the, the guys I hung out with in high school and, and, and guys I got in trouble with. I mean, they weren't all Korean. I had a lot of Hispanic friends, you know, guys that were from El Salvador, from Mexico. I had a lot of Filipino friends, um, you know, some Korean friends, uh, you know, white, black. I mean, it's, I grew up in Hollywood. So um, Hollywood High had a, a drama department, right? So you got all these drama kids too. So I had gay friends in, the, in high school as well. So um, the way I see it, it's like, you know, most people, um, they don't want to be political. They, no. they don't want to, you know, they, they don't want to hear anything like that. They just want to go to work, pay their bills, raise their kids, right? Retire, and then go do some gardening later, right? Yeah, yeah. But Simple people. I mean, yeah, but I mean, I think right now what's happening in this country is like, you know, everyone's being kind of politicized and activated, you know? And I, I feel it, you know, because I see the news out there and I kind of, you know, talk to some other people as well. So everything right now is just polarizing us, you know? So when you have these riots and like in Kenosha, you know, Portland, you know, all these things, it's, it's, they're, they're angry because obviously someone got shot, right? George, you know, George Floyd and all this guy. Man, these dudes were like, they weren't clean. Yeah. They're not. I mean, it's, there's like something happened. It's something led to it, right? It's not. Right. It's not why. Why did this happen? This wasn't just a hit squad. That something right. led up it's to it. It's not like cops just showed up out of the blue, right? They're like, "Hey, man, let's mess with this guy." Yeah, it was George right? Floyd. Yeah, it, it, it's ridiculous. Have so you... I think one, we're not being reported the news accurately, and two, I think there's a a, a, a concerted effort to destabilize the country, you know, and to basically not to destabilize it and to throw ambiguity on the election and then create as much chaos as possible. And then whoever, I guess, makes the loudest noise in terms of protesting and 
and uh, just not being happy is hoping to get their way. Yeah. You know, it, but yeah, you know, for most people, like normies, what I call them, like yeah, yeah. normies. Right? Yeah. I mean, they don't want any of this. No. Uh, nobody wants any of this to happen. No. You know, they just. They yeah. want the next ten years to be like the last ten years. You yeah. know, just like just want to go get a job. Yeah. Just want to maybe get a date. You know, play some video games. That's it. You know, that's it. Like, I don't want. I'm not trying to conquer the world. I'm not trying to restructure the geopolitical arena. <laughs> like, I just, I just want to do a podcast, man. I just want to talk to people about UFOs and stuff. I don't want to. I'm not yeah. trying to hit any protesters freeway. No, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not trying. To, I'm not trying to hit any. Yeah, I'm just like. Hey man, yeah. If I see some unarmed dude get shot, I'm, I'm with the protesters. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't good. I just don't think you should burn down a McDonald's. I just, you're just gonna make someone else angry, right? It's, you know, if one of your brothers punches you, you don't punch the other brother. I'm mad I got hit, so I'm gonna hit you. That's ta- that's like World War One. That's how a powder keg in the Balkans yeah. takes over the world. It doesn't work like that, right? It's, but I think you're right. I do think there's a concerted effort. I don't know who's behind it. But I don't think that matter. That does matter, but I mean, that doesn't matter for the observation, the empirical observation, and context clues point that it it feels like this doesn't feel organic. It feels like someone's rattling the cage, right? And it, there's a lot of money behind it too. I'm sure. Yeah, his, history would point to that being a foreign power, right? I don't know who that power is. It's maybe it's Madagascar. Don't sleep on Madagascar, man. Maybe that's them. They're pitting us against China. Madagascar is going to take over the world. But um, next part of the question. This dude had like 10 questions. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I mean, everyone was commenting, well, that covers my question. So this is actually most of the questions. This is this guy. So um, personally, what were their main... I don't know whether or not to give Zoom a shout out for working or not working, but whatever. Here we go. Um, where were we? Um... Personally, what made up your their main drives and principles that made them do it? That is, what what was responsible for you to uh, take up arms and risk your life? But I feel like you already touched on that. Your upbringing, your neighborhood, kind of the the masculine male figure in the family, kind of butting heads. It's it kind of I feel like you kind of answered all that. Unless I you think, want to yeah. touch on it more. I mean, yeah, I feel like you kind of did. For anyone listening, just listen to the episode. I feel like you kind of touched on all of that. Um, here we go. What are their thoughts, Tony? What are their thoughts about the current situations in civil unrest in America? Did it block out again? God damn it! I mean, yeah. Oh, we go. Are you back? Slowly come back. Yeah, I think it's slowly come back. I okay, we're back. I we're hear, back. The video is still frozen. Okay. Well, I can see you moving around. Your video is good, so. Okay. Time cool. time right. is of the essence. Let's go. Um, All right. But yeah, so so we kind of touched on this. What are their thoughts about the current situations and civil unrest in America? But we've been talking about that for the last half hour. Yeah. So. But you have to take take it out. That's just my opinion. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, yeah I, of course. I, I'm not speaking the whole Korean community. No, all, you are the, the Korean ambassador. Companies. You're the Korean ambassador, dude. This is it. This is going into the books. This is this is canon. That's why I, I always remind everyone of that. No one is speaking for anyone on this podcast. It's just our own ramblings. That's it. It's nothing more. I don't speak for my family. I don't speak for my brothers. I, I'm just a moron with a camera. That's all it is. It's no, you're not a moron, bro. Oh, stop yeah. it, Tony. Um, 
How did it feel when law enforcement refused and or never responded? Refused to respond or just never responded for help from the businesses and communities? Because it wasn't that a thing? Wasn't law enforcement not responding and that's why they took a yeah, loss? Actually, um, I remember it was Chief Daryl Gates. He's the one that told the police to stand down. Ooh. And um, it was kind of like a let Koreatown, let, let Koreatown burn because there's a lot of animosity and angst and just you know, uh, pent up frustration, right, within the black community. So just, you know, don't confront them and let them have their have their run. And, you know, um, I guess the Korean stores are going to be the ones that bear the weight of it, you know. And yeah, it was really weird, man. It's like the cops, they took off. And then um, I remember, you know, when I was talking to my buddy, he was, he was saying like, yeah, there's no cops, you know, and it's just, it's crazy because they, they actually would watch them loot and just not stop them. But you know, you're talking about like two, three patrolmen or four patrolmen, and there's like 20, 30 people running in and out of the store. Yeah, what are you going to do? I don't know. I mean, yeah. if I was a cop, I'd be thinking the same thing. Like, man, you know, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, what am I going to do? Am I going to shoot these people? Am I going to shoot this person over? Like, you know, what he's carrying, you know, like Reebok you know, yeah. spirits. Yeah. You know, he's got like two, you know, whiskey bottles. Yeah. Running down. I'm going to shoot some guy over that. Yeah. yeah like, so. it sucks that they're doing it, but yeah, you're like, I'm not going to end somebody's life and then on the flip side like i have a wife and kids i'm i'm going home to them i'm not losing my life in a battle over cigarettes right it's right at a certain point it's like is it worth is you know pick your battles are you really going to go into this one you know it's yeah you know if you're in the secret service and there's four of you and there's 30 people running across the white house lawn you're probably going to make your stand right because you're the secret service you're protecting the white house right right it's 7-eleven you know, you you might be like, eh, eh. I'm not the over that Snickers candy bar. No, you know yeah, you want to, yeah, you wanna, yeah. That, like, yeah. You know, big gulp. You want to call in the SWAT team and get some helicopters. All right, you know. Now we're talking, but it, right. it's just you and Bob, and you're watching a horde of people. Yeah, I get paid thirty grand to do this. I'm going home, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not, you know. Yeah, it's. So it, I don't hold them. Uh, I. There's no bad feeling about that. I get it, you know. I get the, the word because I have friends that are in law enforcement too, you know. So I, I you know, I, I understand where they were, where they were at. It was just, it was a mob, you know. It was mob. It was one mob, but like you had like mobs everywhere. Just, I mean, the looting was not just in Koreatown, but it was south of Koreatown. It was up in Hollywood. Now, at one point, I think they were trying to loot Beverly Hills. That didn't go over so well back then, but uh, yeah, Hollywood. I mean, they're like, there's a place called Fredericks of Hollywood. It's like a lingerie store. Yeah. They broke in there too. I mean, seriously, why did they break in there for? Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, someone needed lingerie for the riots, right? I was, I was so. about to say, get presents for their wife. You know, Christmas shopping, knock it out of the way. I don't know. It's just, yeah, you don't want to go break into Beverly Hills, man. I mean, Bernie Madoff was the perfect example of you don't steal from rich people because you'll die yeah. in a cell. You're right? You, you know, it's. Yeah, it's that is like the mafia. It's the wrong people to take money from. Um, how do they feel about the Second Amendment and all the ongoing restrictions being placed on gun owners across America? How do they feel? How, how do I feel? How do you? Um, the, yeah, the person typing it is is yeah. I'm a gun owner. You know, uh, I've been a gun owner since I was 18. Right? Yeah. So I had that Remington, but you know, I bought more guns on top of that and. Um, I'm not a, like an avid, like I got to go shoot every weekend. Yeah. Um, I'm more practical, yeah. right? Um, I have different guns because, you know, I shoot them every so often, but I'm not, you know, I see it as a tool, 
yeah. right? The tool that, that I, I use that, that, you know, that's going to help protect my house and um, that the wall allows me to retain. Well, for me, I mean, I think it's awesome that you yeah. can you can bear it on, right? And then if back in the founding, founding fathers, the reason why we're out of their arms is because there was a time when the, the uh, in, in colonies, uh, the British army was actually stationed in, in, in people's homes. Yeah. Right? Quartering. Um, so basically, yeah. Uh, they were living in people's homes, and, and, and not only that, but, I mean, you had no rights. But one of the reasons why we have Second Amendment was, is not, you know, it's not to really protect our homes. I mean, that's part of it. But it's really against the overreaching government, right? Yeah. I mean, what the Second Amendment is really for, you know, it's for, you know, to keep government in check. I mean, everyone thinks it's just to protect the home and home defense, but no, the, the real purpose of the Second Amendment was to make sure that the current government that we have doesn't become totalitarian and basically, um, if we need to, I mean, I'm sure they thought about this more in the country. We need to pick up arms that we go and, you know, fight against the government if the government's trying to put stuff on us, right? Um, so it was basically freedom, you know, freedom to, to, um, to say no. I guess yeah. when you have a firearm, you can yeah. say no. You don't have to say yes. Yeah, it's it's the I always when people always bring up why we don't need firearms, and they're like, oh, the U.S. government's gonna like form into a tyranny. They're like, it's not the 1700s anymore. Meanwhile, in 2020, right? You know, well, not now with COVID, the CCP is trying to squash Taiwan. Like, like d- dude, like it's happening today, and will always happen. It's yeah. it's not a thing of the past. Whenever in human history someone has had consolidated power, they abuse it. That is that is just as natural as anything. It's as natural as the sun rising or you know flirting. It's consolidated power being abused and corrupted. So it's yeah. yeah. No. Do they think that quote rooftop Koreans should or would reemerge during a possible looting? So basically, if it if it happened again today, in 2020, do you think that there would be another round of rooftop Koreans? That's a good question. I don't know. I mean, the, the generation that's around now, I mean, Emasculated. it's different. I mean, they're like, you know, I mean, we're the older guys now, right? I mean, I'm late 40s, and right? it's about the same age as my dad, you know, my dad's generations. So um, it's hard to say because... You know, my dad's generation, they had military training, so they were used to carrying firearms, you know, they had that training. But, you know, like, you know, my generation, I mean, you look at you know, guys my age, you guys are all like, you know, accountants, doctors, you know, got really soft, fleshy hands, no calluses, <laughs> you know, pushing paper all day long. Yeah. I've got the callus from the pen, writing yeah, with the pen, right? you got that finger callus. Just that, right? just that, yeah. yeah. You're right. So, so they're more of a... a um, What's that? More of a, a gentle, sure. a gentle generation. Sure. Yeah. It's so I. I would say it's. It, I would say no. I don't think it, it would be hard for me to imagine that. You know. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's what that's what Dale Comstock, the Delta Force guy, who I've had on this podcast several times, he said when the when he he worked for the CIA for a bit and he can't legally talk about it, but um. He would. He did work for OGA, other government agency, which is the CIA. Mm-hmm. But that's the legal term he can use. So he didn't work right. for the CIA. He worked for the OGA, right? And 
But one thing they would do is they'd be plausible deniability. They'd go into other nations. And instead of bringing a bunch of guys, Americans with American insignia, you send over one or two and then you build up an army of indigenous people. So that way you could sort of kind of form up one night, do a strike and then disperse. And no one knows how it happened. Mm-hmm. What he would say about them is you'd have all these untrained guys, you know, not soft hands because it's still a very rural, you know, tough area, but relatively the same soft never fought, never did anything. He said yeah. he, ne- he said he never ceased to be described or not. Just, he never ceased to be amazed at how out of the softest people, when the when the moment arose, there would just be heroes. Just these guys would step up. Yeah. You'd never know in a million years. And they'd be wearing flip-flops with their underwear on backwards with an AK mowing down the gun. And they'd be like, something flips on in the brain. And then you just, you won't know until it happens. So... I have I have some hope that if that if it hit the fan, my generation yeah. would be able I mean, to stand up. That that's a good uh, that's a good example. Yeah, you know, and it's true. Yeah. You know, so I, you know, I'm kind of making light of it, but I mean, it's true. When you get pushed, you don't know, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you, dude. I mean, here I am doing a podcast. You know, when my great uncle Rich passed away several years ago, rest in peace. When he was 18, he was on Omaha Beach killing Nazis right watching his friends get blown up by 50 cal rounds or whatever the german equivalent was you know at 18 i was off in the dorms like oh finally i'm away from mom and dad i can go get drunk and talk to sorority girls right it's a different you know i don't know different era of man i guess um well here's a real outrageous statement um when i was in germany when i was born there uh, i lived in this building and uh you know it was a two-story building and uh, um the Couple, there's an older couple that lived downstairs. The last name was Picard, like Captain Picard. Uh-huh. That's a German last name. But um, he actually was uh, in the in the military. He was a German soldier in the Nazi. Okay. The, yeah. Holy cow. He was. Uh, yeah. I called him Tante Tante Picard, which is in, in German means uncle, right? Yeah. Because he was an old gentleman. But yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah and really stoic, right? Um, just didn't smile a lot. But yeah, he was. He was. Um, he was a. Uh, he was a soldier. I don't think he was like a, um, you know, he was higher up there, but yeah. Wehrmacht versus yeah, just, the SS. Yeah. Yeah. Wehrmacht, you know, yeah. Wehrmacht. Yeah. yeah that was just the yeah, German army. Yeah. That yeah. was, they weren't necessarily but, Nazis. The Wehrmacht was just a bunch of poor suckers like you and me who, we just got drafted. Yeah. You're fighting now. Okay. But, but when you think Nazi, like, man, these guys are, right. but the guy was really nice to me. I mean, he called yeah. me candy and we'd yeah. hang out and yeah. with. it's, it's not, it's I mean it's it's bad to blanket everybody, you know, you know, with a label, right? That that that's you know, it's, it's not good to do that, but that's how we start, right? Because we we only have so much information, but then once you individualize and you get to know this person, and you're like, man, you know. So I can say, yeah, I was friends with a Nazi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Else, it's like it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, I had a guy um who actually had to wore a, wear a mask for his identity, but he was in Sayeret, S-A-Y-E-R-E-T, the Israeli Special Forces. And he talked about, like, killing Hezbollah and stuff. And I'd be like, man, as, like, a Jew, you must really want to kill him. And he was like, no, I do. But he's like, man, above that, he was like, I just feel so bad for them. I was like, what? That's the last thing I'd expect. And he's like, because once you get on this individual basis of hunting these guys down and killing them, or you do recon on them, you realize, yes, some of them are radicalized psychos that want to kill Jews. He's like a lot of them are illiterate, can't read or write. They have they don't know basic math. 
They they don't they think the world's flat. They think the moon is too small. They hold up their arm, their fingers and say that's how big the moon is. They have nothing. They have no opportunities. No health care. They have nothing. They have a mud hut and they got a daughter who they're trying to raise and they can make a dollar every four days doing hard labor. Or somebody, some well-funded guy comes along and says, hey, if you shoot this RPG at that U.S. convoy, we'll give you $10,000. $10,000. I can yeah, put my kid... Yeah, I can give my kid a better life. I can... And he's like, so they take it up. And they're like, I don't know if I'm going to live or die, but I have nothing going for me, so I'm going to go for it. And he's like, I feel for them. So, yeah, yeah I mean... i got to feed my cat. Yeah, it's... Some, yeah. A lot of times, like... The, you hear a lot of stories like... Tony? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here's... Yeah, you're breaking up. You're cracking up. No. Sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. So what I was saying, um, there's a story from um, the war that my parents told me where uh, the North Korean soldiers come down and, um, you know, when they, when they took part of this out, uh, a lot of the farmers and whatnot, they had them sign this loyalty card. Right? saying they're loyal to the Communist Party or whatever. So when they got beaten, taken up to the North, that's when the South came and they basically, they... They arrested all these people that signed these loyalty cards, but they, they, they only signed them because they were promised so much rice, so much food. You know, yeah. people were starving. I mean, yeah, it's it's you know? it's a lot. I think the vast majority of the time, if you go throughout history and find the quote unquote bad guys, they're just they're just you, but they were born in a different era with different color skin, they with a different name, right? It's just like. Right. If you look at some freedom fighter in, Tal- in the Taliban, he's probably some 18-year-old dude that, instead of being named Tommy and is white and grew up in 1990s America, your name's Abdul, you don't know who your dad is, you can't read or write, and you live in Afghanistan. Like, sucks to suck, you know? I got four aces, you got, you know, twos and fours for your hand, and it's just, you know, and what are you going to do? And, and now we have to kill them. Like, sucks, right? It's just, it's sad. It's It's not... It's not always black and white. Like, you know, there are evil people. The Bin Laden, the SS, like, they're evil. They have to die. They just have to go. But it's not everybody, man. It's, it's, that's a blanket statement. But, um, no. So, what did this one do first? Next one. Yeah. Next question. Last part of this guy's question. We're still on that guy. And then after that, we only have like two. Everyone, and then we only have like two other questions after that. This guy asked like, this guy asked like 11 questions. What are their recommendations in terms of responding to an L.A. riot type situation? First, from the uh, from the perspective of a small business owner. Second, as a family man. And lastly, as a community. I think you kind of touched on those, too, is from the perspective of a small business owner. It was, yeah, you know, your first generation, you're underemployed, you're a doctor. But here you are selling tortillas. There's a sort of, you know, the masculine figure. This is your well-being. You're like, you have to draw the line immediately. Yeah. You kind of set it as a family man, protect your family, the very patriarchal uh, family structure. And then as a community, you kind of touched on that too. It's not the Korean store, it's our Korean store. Um, I don't know if you want to answer all those instead of having me put words in your mouth, but those are... No, I, I think you're doing a great job. I mean, I, I think you're, you're repeating and you're covering the stuff I already talked about, so I think that's great. But yeah, you're, you're, you hit, you know, you're spot on. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. 
So new guy at user adversor a d v e r s o r r adversor shout out adversor. Did your experience with the entire riot and looting situation change your views on anything, particularly the Second Amendment? Again, and were you always pro Second Amendment? Yes, you've owned a gun since you were eighteen. You've owned multiple guns since yeah. then. But yeah, so did it? Did it really? So aside from guns, then did it really change your views on? Is there something that was shifted pre-riots after that is perhaps still shifted? You kind of said it earlier. You were so surprised at how quickly society broke down. Was that it? Was that something that yeah. was that a viewpoint you didn't have until after the riots? Well, it was. It was actually a viewpoint I had after the riots. Yeah. Which is like, uh, you know, society we operate on a very thin veneer. Yeah. Of uh, you yeah. know, of, of rules and civility. civility. Yeah. <laughs> Once that goes away, um, and it becomes very primal, you know, yeah. and yeah. Like, kind of like mob mentality. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah. So it did. It, you, you talk about like a good sociology lesson, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Rise are probably a good lesson, you know, in, in sociology and human behavior and how people act. And yeah, so that really was eye-opening for me, you know, and it made me realize that. And just like things could just snap off, and you know, it, it, the verdict was on a Wednesday. Things just went downhill after that, and it was Thursday, Friday, and then Friday was was when finally the National Guard came. Yeah, and that was like three days later, but it was like three days of mayhem. Yeah, you know, and just like it was so chaotic that it. You know, I had I also had a friend of mine that went to the USC at that time. He was over at the unit, and then USC, if you know USC, it's like an island. Right, it's surrounded by you know it's in I, I, near part of, part of the I interviewed but, there for med school. I interviewed there. Keck, Keck School of Medicine, yeah, I didn't get in, but I interviewed there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's expensive school. Yeah. Actually I went there, that's my alma mater. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I call that uh I, I call it USC University Second Chances because I was such a screw up and I ended up going there. That's that's good. <laughs> so I, I did okay. <laughs> That's good. USC University right. Second Chances. Dude, when I was in LA, yeah. when I was in LA and I interviewed there, it was November 1st, 2013, which is the day some dude wow. walked into LAX with an AR15 and killed that TSA agent. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that I was there interviewing. That was my only day ever in LA. It was the day some dude shot up the airport. <laughs> that was a bad omen. Maybe I knew I wasn't getting in. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. I remember I was walking around. I was walking around L.A. in a suit and tie for like four hours because all the roads were clogged. Didn't know where I was. Phone died. All the phones are jammed. I'm just there's just news choppers in the air. There's yeah, SWAT teams everywhere, and I'm just walking around. Yeah, that's my L.A. story. <laughs> um, so, what does the term rooftop Korean mean to you? This is the last question. What does the term rooftop Korean mean to you? Yeah. What does it mean to you? Is it because when I say it, it's with like admiration, it's respect, it's it's cool, it's rooftop Koreans. It's you know, it's yeah. No, I feel that too. No. I feel that too. I feel that um, you know, the, the it's not it's not a, a derogatory moniker. It's something that's said with uh, with admiration, some respect. So I get it. But in terms of how I take it, I don't know, man. It's like um. You know, outside of my my circle of friends that that I know, we don't we never talked about. I never talked about this with anybody else. You know, besides my wife, 
but she lived in a suburb down near Orange County, so she was so far removed from this. And it's like everybody else in, in America, they were just watching on the TV, and it wasn't real, right? But, um, yeah, I don't, I see it as, uh, as I guess, um, the compliment, you know, because, um, you know, it's not something that I guess we wanted to do. I mean, you know, yeah. it's not like, Oh, we, we got to get on the roofs and, you know, really flex and yeah. show America how it's done, you yeah. know, how to protect personal property. That was never in the game plan. No. Like, you know, it was more of an, like, you know, you know, oh, crap moment, right? Oh, crap, like, you're going to lose my livelihood and, you know, I borrowed money to start this business and might have burned down. Like, man, you know, like, and so it's not anything where, um, you know, I would say uh, it's, it's nice now to hear it, but back then it was just, and maintain your livelihood and just trying to take care of your friends and, and you know your family that, that were out there and um but yeah i think it's a nice compliment you know yeah. i think we need more rooftop americans you know yeah. you know people to get on the roofs and just, heck yeah you know that that couple that, that st louis couple yeah Remember that st. Louis oh yeah, couple? yeah 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 cold the sacramentos got a little uh, water pistol yeah right? so, like putting it it's no no she's like talking to people it's like doing pointing it <laughs> Yeah. See, yeah. they had a really nice house. They should have got on the roof. Right? Yeah, yeah. They, if they got on the roofs, that would have been awesome. If they got on the roofs, that would have yeah. been amazing. The meme potential would have lasted forever. Yeah. That would have been awesome. They should have got on their roof. That nice, giant house. It up there, and they would have been like, yeah, uh, rooftop Americans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold to sack commandos. <laughs> Baton's been passed. Yeah, yeah. Baton has right. been passed, sir. It is. Yeah, yeah. Now it's the whole country. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not just now we all... Country. Now we all roll and yeah, it's I don't know. I think Johnny Kim yeah. took it to a new level though, going to space. He has forever been the rooftop Korean. Um But yeah, so um do like another uh cool doing like another fifteen minutes and we'll wrap this up. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, I, I wanna um yeah. wanna ask about that. Yeah. So um well yeah, so we got through your questions and um yeah, what did you because you said that on the phone that you had some questions for me, so Ask away, Tony. What are your questions? Do you mind if I use the restroom first? Let me use the restroom. I'll be right back. Okay, yeah, me too. All We are waiting on the the great Tony Moon for everybody listening. I know we've had some audio problems, but I think it's good. I didn't even realize it's storming out. That's probably why. It always happens when it storms. So, huh, that makes sense. So, I apologize. I know this uh, the audio hasn't been perfect, but 
one day down the road, perhaps months, probably years. I hope for this podcast to have some 8K red cameras, some cinema studio quality microphones. Hope this thing's going to look awesome one day. I'm talking to myself. Um, it's nice. It's Dude, that's kind of like a running joke on this episode is that I'm the youngest person in the world to have like bladder problems. Because I don't have bladder problems, but I just... Maybe I do. I drink so much water. It's, I mean, literally for 185 episodes, people are always like, dude, but you have to go to the bathroom so much. It's so nice having a guest that's like, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. I'm like, yes, bathroom breaks. So, you know, I drink a lot of water too. Stay hydrated, man. Just stay hydrated. Dude, it's, I've got multi, this this, this podcast, I've got like two more of these on the ground. Yeah, dude, just hydration gang man i'm all about that um yeah it's people always like you got a problem i'm like no i just love water i look i just opened a new one doing another one at the tail end of the podcast i've got i've got myself another one but yeah you said you had some questions for me and i guess i always do the asking and it's yeah so sure ask away tony what do you want to know yeah i'm curious like what what set you on this path you know I mean, you mentioned in your FAQ, um, you know, you were doing great. You're going to medical school. I'm sure your mom and dad were really proud of you. Like, you got, you know, the golden child thing happening, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just did a... Around and... Yeah, um, yeah, I'll try to answer that. And it's, um, I was never a good student in, like, despite what my mom says, you're always smart. No, I was a terrible student up until, yeah. I mean, really, I had a younger brother and two older brothers who were all very intelligent. I was always in, they were like the gifted programs. I was always in like the, you know, go play with blocks and sniff glue programs, right? And like my freshman year of college at Valdosta State, uh, you know, did really poorly, joined a fraternity, partied, acted like a moron, gained a bunch of weight, drank a lot of beer. And um, my sophomore year, I moved into the frat house. This was on my birthday. So August 7th, 2010, so the day I turned 20, my dad dropped me off at the frat house on 406 Bay Tree Road in Valdosta, Georgia. And I remember that night sitting down with some friends and um, it just kind of dawned on me that it was, you know, I've been kicking the can down the road my whole life. I'll get more serious in the future. And I was like, I only have three years left of college. And then it was like, my whole life I'd been you know I was in a car that was like just kind of like inching towards a cliff but it was always the cliff was way off and now I was only three years so now I'm only three yards from the edge of the cliff and I was like I'm getting close I was like what am I gonna do I was like I have no skills I'm like I don't I don't want to I don't want to live like an unhappy life and so I just went into like pure really it was like terror that's what it was and at its core it was terror I, I i was like i need to be successful and i was like what's like the loftiest thing i can do i was like become a physician and i just was like i really did decide on that day i was like i'm going to be a physician and you know it's like the hold my beer joke but it really was i like said hold my beer like i'm going to go to bed and then the next morning i went to the library and then I did it the next day and the next day and I stopped drinking, I stopped smoking pot, I stopped partying. And then for the next six semesters, I got 4.0s, did undergraduate research in the field of aquatic toxicology, scored in the top fourth percentile in the MCAT, 
got into pharmacy school, got into medical school at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine, interviewed at the Keck School of Medicine in LA, Tulane in New Orleans, didn't get into either of those, did get into Miami, a school where 15,000 people applied. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I had like eight, I had legitimately had like eight abs. I was like 4% body fat, had a smoking hot girlfriend. And it was like, no one, no one can touch me. I'm Captain America. But the reality is, is in like my my last year of school, just kind of like quiet at first, but I mean, almost like a splinter. I started to realize that like I wasn't happy. I was happy with the idea of what I was doing. Looked good, girlfriend, gonna be a doctor, white coat, Mercedes, nice lawn with the white picket fence, big house, you know, like the girl, like the like Ken and Karen with the guns. I was like, I was very happy with what I did. I, I I turned it into a goal. I quantified success, and then I checked all the boxes. And then, but then I, as I got there and I was getting into med school and had the girlfriend, I realized nothing at all felt different. And deep down inside, I, I was not happy. And I was like, I just, I don't think I can do this forever. I was like, I don't think I can keep doing this. And my uncle, who went to Duke Medical School, and another uncle of mine who was an orthopedic surgeon, passed away a couple of years ago. But I remember they both said to me, they said, if you're smart enough to become a doctor, you're smart enough to do something else and still make money. Well, that was what one of them said. The other said, if you're smart enough to be a doctor, you're smart enough to make more money doing less work. And I thought about it and I was like, how much of how much of it is I wanted to be a doctor? And I did. I wanted to help people. I legitimately did. But how much is it was like an, my own chip on my shoulder, right? A bad student. Now I'm going to be the best I can. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably a little more of the latter. And um, so I decided in like March 2014 that I wasn't going to go to med school. I was supposed to start that fall, August 2014. And I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do it. I don't know what I want to do. I was like, I think because I want to be an anesthesiologist. So I was like, maybe I'm just really interested in, in, uh, in psychoactive compounds. So I started applying to pharmacy school and uh, I decided I was like, maybe I'll just try to go to UGA's pharmacy school. So I was actually... I actually drove back down. I was living at my parents live here in Maryland. I I graduated in two thousand in, in um, December two thousand thirteen from UGA. Girlfriend was a year below me. Was still at UGA, and I moved up here to to Ocean City, Maryland, where my parents live, and was just kind of I was going to be here until med school started. And this was March two thousand fourteen. I actually drove back down to Georgia to visit my girlfriend, but also to go interview to do pharmacy school down there because they have a great pharmacy program. And while I was down there, uh, I got a call from my dad and uh, told me that my oldest sibling committed suicide. And he he had been going to Georgia Tech, brilliant, was doing classified research for the Air Force, was had a smoking hot girlfriend who was going to be a lawyer and um, who's still to me like a sister, yeah. like I'm still in touch with her. Um, but, you know, had had troubles, but no one, obviously no one saw this coming because if you saw it coming, you'd stop it. And yeah. so there's like this perfect storm of of existential crisis that you can only get from losing someone close let alone from suicide yeah there was a my own personal crisis of realizing i didn't want to be a doctor anymore and then there was this tertiary uh factor in the crisis of i had gone i had just done the last three years of not drinking not smoking not partying and just studying 
and now realizing I didn't want to be a doctor and I felt like I cheated myself out of three years of the best years, right? Because I went to the University of Georgia, which at the time was, according to whatever school has the ranking, we were the number one party school in the nation. And I was like, I just went to the number one party school in the nation, but I didn't party, right? A little pent up, kind of like uh, the generation above yours, right? Doctors and engineers selling tortillas. I felt a little cheated. And um, so it was this perfect storm of, of losing a sibling to suicide, of not being happy, and a feeling like I, I cheated myself at, the grand cheated myself at it, but felt cheated nonetheless, that I hadn't kind of gotten that everything out of life that I should have gotten out. And that was just a perfect storm. And over the, and over the next two years, it was just a perfect storm of just disaster. I, I put on 67 pounds from just eating, depressed, uh, was taking pills, was, was drinking a lot, was smoking pot almost every single day, um, probably every day, I would imagine. Was really just doing everything, take cough syrup at night to go to sleep, sleep as long as I can, wake up, take a bunch of caffeine or Adderall, smoke pot during the day, drink, I don't need to do anything, play video games, just do do whatever I want, whenever I want, screw everybody. And it, again, it was everything. It was, I need to live my life because I didn't live my life in college. It's, I need to live my life because, you know, I just lost a brother. Who knows when my life's going to end? And it was just this, just this torrential, just monster that I turned into that I have to completely own. It was me. No one made me do it. And um, really just, I mean, I turned into a, just, a, I would say just a, a bad person. I was angry at everyone. I blamed everyone for everything. It's not my, you don't know my troubles. And uh, in, in 2016, August, July 2016, got pretty close to suicide myself. It was like, I just don't see how anything is going to get better. I went from looking like Captain America to looking like Jack Black. I had big old man titties. I had long, greasy hair down on my shoulder. I just hated everyone and everything. Was just was an asshole to my girlfriend. Um, and was just, uh, you know, I realized what road I was going down. And I didn't think I was that far off from suicide. I was, I wasn't. I didn't actively have a plan, but I think I was pretty close. Just to spare the details, I was pretty close. And uh, I remember I called my mom one day and was like, I need you to come get me. Like, I think I'm going to hurt myself. And I and I knew I knew that when I said that, that that was a, a point of no return, that she was going to come get me. And I, and I knew that, and that's why I said it. It was sort of like shooting up the flare, right? Tapping out. And uh, I knew I didn't have a choice. But the reason I said it is because I knew if I didn't say it, if I started to feel better that night or something, I would lie to myself and be like, I don't need to move home. I'm good. And I knew I knew I knew I deep down I knew I wasn't good and that if I stayed down there, I was probably going to commit suicide. So I told my mom and uh, like, of course, the next day I was like, I feel fine. I feel fine. You know, but she was like, nope, she came and got me. And but that was the plan. That's what worked out well. So I moved home in uh, August 2016. And really for like two years, just did therapy, just went cold turkey on everything, lost. Right now I'm at 200. I'm fluffy. I'm not fat anymore, but I'm still fluffy. I still got like 30 more to lose, but that's the story for another time. And uh, that entire time, I didn't, yeah. have, I didn't have anything to do, man. All my friends lived in Atlanta. Girl- yeah. What? Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, girlfriend broke up with me, which I mean, I don't really blame her. Yeah, more, I said more importantly, you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More importantly, you're here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. And that's what I try to remind myself of. But um, yeah, didn't have any friends. They all lived in Atlanta. They were all getting married. They went on to become doctors, lawyers, accountants. Girlfriend broke up with me, and um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't have anything to do. 
And because my mind, I get latched onto things, whether it's pre-med, it's, I get latched onto things, whether it's good or it's bad. So in college, I got latched on to doing good, right? Straight sure. A's. Afterwards, I got latched on to just partying and hedonism. Regardless, I just get latched on. So what did I do when I moved home? I got latched on to Photoshop. Harmless. So I was just like making memes on my phone and it progressed and progressed and progressed to the point where like people were like buying the stuff I was making. And if anyone's interested, I, cool. I, I will link that below. But uh, I, yeah, I just made like crazy stuff of just whatever was on my mind. Started taking online graphic design courses in August of 2019. And uh, around December, I had wanted to start a podcast since like 2015 and I kept kicking the can down the road. And then finally in December, I was like, I'm just going to make it. I, I w I've been listening to Joe Rogan since he started in 2010. I know I sound like a hipster, but I really was listening at the beginning. And I always thought it was cool how he didn't have an agenda or a niche. He just kind of talked. And I was like, I can do that. And Back then, he did it. Yeah. And then I thought of my uncle. So he's yeah, smart enough to be a doctor. I was like, I'm smart enough to start a podcast. So I have no education in videography or audio or anything. I have no idea what I'm doing with this. But um, just start talking to people. And uh, as I'm sure you can tell from today, I can kind of talk to anybody. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, ju I just push out episodes and I email Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I just find anyone interesting and I just shoot them emails. It's a shotgun approach. Vast majority of people don't respond. Every once in a yeah, while, cool. someone responds and says, sure, I'd love to. And that's where I am right now. And so, um, yeah, I want to turn this into a successful podcast. Successful being enough money that I could move out of my parents ask i'm above my parents garage right now and um yeah the goal is i can't do anything in moderation so my goal is you know over the next 15 years turn it into the biggest podcast ever i want to cast a shadow on joe rogan and uh i think i will actually i know i will it's just gonna take a little time but i know i will and um ultimately i'd like to make a ton of ton of money and um i'd like to i'd like to donate 99 percent of it to uh so, uh, MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, and it is using psychedelic substances to try to cure depression and anxiety because that's obviously very close to home for mm. me. And um, I think that is—I really think the most important—I yeah. think the most important thing in life is to just leave the earth a little better than you found it. And if everyone did that, we'd be—we'd be in utopia. And so for me, I'm not going to try to cause world peace, but I think I can choose my battle and my battle is what don't i just amass a ton? like elon is amassing a lot of money to get us to mars for me i'm like you know what over the next couple decades i think i can amass a ton of money and then just really try to push forward you know completely subsidize like clinical trials for things like psilocybin lsd ibogaine mdma dimethyltryptamine um sal uh, salvia really just every psychoactive substance under the sun um for aco dmt all these things i think i think can be used 5meo i think there's a lot of stuff that's not not being um i mean you have things where like like zoloft or wellbutrin there's like a five percent success rate with people feeling less depressed or you but then yeah. you, you, use, you use things like lsd and there's like a 95% success cure rate. There are soldiers with PTSD who do a one-time dose in a clinical setting with MDMA, completely wipes mm -hmm. out their PTSD. I mean, there, there's the, the, these things grow, I mean, they grow out of the ground and they are the nectar of the gods. 
and we've classified them as schedule one drugs and to me so so there was there was a, a clinical study done with mdma on a, a soldier that had ptsd and that basically took care of his ptsd yeah you know it's insane it's insane it's, so so he basically dropped the nexus tablet and he was fine yeah I mean, well, well what they do is well it's I, yeah I mean, I mean, that's, that's probably not what it was that's what it is right i mean that's what's a nexus but, like oh, MDMA, that's, but, but that's just interesting yeah, yeah well no yeah it's not it's not just drop it and you feel better it's the purpose is right. you do it in a clinical setting they did it with family members they did it with other soldiers around and it was sort of this you go into this hyper empathetic state and you sort of mm-hmm. work around yeah. all yeah. the and mind you it's with a you know a clinical psychiatrist it's with an md and it's it's if you just take it and you're sitting at home, I don't think it's going to do it. You know, I don't. It's it's you can take LSD and go to a concert, or you can do it in a clinical setting and work with childhood abuse, right? So it's right. it's they're not they're not silver bullets. They don't just work outright, but they like guns. You can use a gun to go rob a store, or you can use a gun to rooftop Korean and defend your store. It's about how you use it. These drugs have the capability right. to, I think, greatly change the face of mental health for humans in general. And as someone that lost a sibling to suicide, I, I can't help but think, you know, what if what if this was like, what if these things were readily active or uh, accessible? What if there, what if there were trauma centers where you could go and you know, just like you go get a surgery or get your tonsils out or get a vasectomy? What if you could go and just you know, you get recommended by your doctor, by your primary care physician. You go there and you have your X trial, whatever, psilocybin, MDMA, whatever, and you work through your trauma and maybe you need one session, two. But what if what if that's all you do and then depression is as easily treatable as chicken pox or getting your tonsils out? Because it used to be not that easy, but now it is. And right now I think we're in the dark ages of mental health. And I think one day it really will be you can just maybe it's a thing you have to do every year maybe you have to do it every 12 months like getting your oil changed but i really think that one day in the future you will be able to just go have these profoundly psychedelic impactful empathetic experiences and you'll be able to get just get rid of your depression as simple as getting your tonsils out and i hope to one day in the future for that to be the case so that whereas i had to lose a sibling to a suicide to a self-inflicted gunshot wound and I, you know, think about that every day. I have his initials tattooed on my shoulder. It's it's been six years, and it, you know, it still hurts to think about. You know, even even now, it, it it chokes me up thinking about. And I think the only thing worse than that would be, is if I didn't do anything about it, and I went to my grave knowing that this is just going to happen to someone else. Yeah. Or I could use I could use my mind. I could use my work ethic. I could use my podcast, and I I could try to change mental health to a point where in the future, instead of someone losing a sibling to suicide, instead, their sibling just had a uh, a doctor's appointment on Friday. Yeah, no, they just went and got their depression checkup. They're good. Like, I want it to be like that one day, right? There used to be a time when penicillin didn't exist, and you just That's died cool. if you got sick, right? Now, right. you just go get penicillin. You got a headache, it's... You know, COVID. Oh, you know, a lot of people died from COVID. I just went down to the clinic, got swabbed. You're good. It can be like that for everyone. I really think it can. You know, it um used to be you just got an infection and you died, and now we have 
antibiotics. So, to yeah, for uh, that, there, that's about as thorough as an answer as I can give you. That's kind of a, uh, that's kind of how I am here now. It's a, uh, it sounds it sounds very noble. A lot of it is me just wanting to talk to people and laugh and have a podcast. Um, but I do. That is, I, I do want to leave a good footprint on this world, and uh, I really don't want anyone yeah. to experience. Uh, what I, what my family went through. It's just nothing good comes of it. There's no nothing good comes of it. It's you can paint it up and romanticize it. Nothing good comes from it. It's just sheer agony. So, yeah, that's 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 my answer to your question. Is a uh, it's some noble parts, a lot of stupidity, and uh, a lot of just making well, it up as I go. Well, I, I appreciate that, man. Sure. And I'm, I'm glad you're doing this. You know, and I'm glad you're interviewing different people and. You know, you're archiving this and putting it all together. You know, so, so um, let me know how I can help you. You know, if you need help, you know, anything I can do to help on my end here. Sure, you know, sure. if you want to do another, you know, second Absolutely. round, I'm, I'm up for Absolutely. it. I have fun. Yeah. No, you. Yeah. You. Yeah. You don't have a choice, Tony. You're doing. You're. You're. You're a repeating podcast guest now. You have. I have roped you in. You are part of my army now. You can't say no. All right. This is. I am. <laughs> this is a dictatorship. You've been drafted into my army, whether or not you want to. It's, um, yeah, you know any interesting people, send them along. Or, if, I mean, dude, just come back on and just you just shoot the shit. Just talk. It's, you know, I had a, okay. a lot of people I have on. A lot of people come on for a first time, and it's about a very specific thing today, Rooftop Koreans. But then we just become friends, and then we just get on and we talk about whatever. It's, you know, what's going on okay. with, with Trump or Putin or UFOs or Cardi right. B or whatever. It's just, you know, what's going on? It's it's just yeah, it's content. I'm down for that, man. If, if you want to have a conversation, I'm down with that because um, I, I keep track of news. Uh, I look at all kinds of stuff. And, Perfect. Um, Perfect. I, yeah, so so I'm I'm not saying I'm a master of everything, but I am well versed in a lot of different things. So I can we can talk about a lot of different things. I think you know, especially history. You know, I'm, I'm a big history buff, and um, I looked at a lot of parallels in the past to see what's happening uh-huh. now in the future. Um, so that's where I draw a lot of the similarities in the past to what's going on now. I see what country going on. If you want to talk about stuff like that, um, I'm all I'm all for it, man. I think we need more conversations like that in this country. You know. Yeah. Just yeah. to talk about the future and talk about the country and, and not be so so pussyfooting around stuff. Yeah, know? yeah. And, and, and be so afraid that we're going to beat somebody, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just at the end of the day, the way I see it, like if someone says something offensive, unless it was directly meant to hurt you, then don't take offense to it, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't know any better. Yeah. You know, and yet you're, you're retaining this hurt, you know, but we're looking for an apology from a person that has no idea that they've offended you, right? Yeah. So it goes back to uh, um, there's there's this one saying, it's, I think it's a Buddhist saying. It says like you know like Carrying anger or revenge or that is like drinking poison, hoping the other person dies, right? Yeah. So that resentment that you hold of being offended, you're holding on to that, but the other person that has no clue yeah. doesn't even care, you know, yeah. until you bring it up. And it- but I think uh, it's you know we've gotten so sensitive, you know. So yeah, I mean, any topic you want to talk about, I'm all, I'm all for it. I mean, I don't think you know, I don't know if you want to monetize stuff. So we, well, the stuff we talk about probably won't be monetized, you know, because we'll touch on a lot of things. And, and I don't probably fit the paradigm, you know, in terms of me saying the things I'm saying because I'm Asian. I don't look white, so things. But 
so I don't fit the mainstream paradigm of like you know I'm I probably you know if saying all these things if, if, if they say that dude's white right yeah this uh, Asian oh man yeah. On. Yeah, hey man, no. It's perfect. They can't censor me then if I have you. I'll be like, why are you censoring an Asian yeah. man? Because they, they can censor the white guy with the American flag, right? <laughs> but they they can censor right. the, the the straight. They can they can censor the heterosexual white American male. They can't censor you. So well, yeah, well, I'll just have you on and be like, well, you can't censor him. So um, but yeah, man, it's. I'm not, if I'm not available, if I'm not available, you can do a cut out cut out full color uh, cut out. Put me in the back next to the American flag. <laughs> That's what I should do, man. I should just get pictures of like Obama and yeah, just put him back there and be like, Freddie Mercury. Just be like, don't censor a gay man. That's what I need to do, man. It's yeah, no. In terms of monetization, I've pretty much accepted YouTube's not going to monetize me because everything I say doesn't fit the whole PC uh, model, and so. I just don't worry about it now. To me, that's giving me freedom because now I'm like, you know what? I'm not getting the money through YouTube. I think what's going to happen is just like all things die, you know, MySpace gives way to Facebook, gives way to Instagram. Yeah. You know, Blockbuster gives way to Netflix, AOL, right? To me, to me, it's my podcast is just going to keep growing and it's going to jump to some other platform. Maybe it's Spotify. Maybe it's a company that doesn't exist yet. I think I'm yep. just I'm gonna stick with it. It's gonna grow, and I'll eventually get an income from it. But I'm not worried about YouTube's regulations, so don't worry about monetize. Say whatever you want, dude. I love Cold War history. I love World War Two. I love World War Two onwards, and um, I've listened to hundreds of books, dude. I love. I have guys on, and sometimes we just choose books, and we'll and we'll we'll listen to them, or we'll read them, and then we'll do an episode about it, about you know stealth, cool. stealth technology in the Gulf War. Operation Paperclip, uh, or is it the 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 black? Was it the black room? It's the predecessor to the NSA. It was like the World War One NSA. It's it's yeah. I would just choose books and we'll just it's little. It's like our guy book club. We we'll just listen to it and then we'll do an episode and discuss it and we'll talk about it. And I'm I'm I do that man. So it's it's real geeky stuff. So it's like cool. yeah, dude. You love history. I love history, man. Choose a topic and be like, yo, let's do an episode. Let's do an episode in three weeks on this. You know. Make I'll you know put down the day and time I'll schedule in and I'll I'll make sure I read that book or whatever a topic is uh S, like I said SDI that was one for a while B two stealth bombers thermonuclear bombs espionage spying yeah who cares man conspiracies UFOs you name it man just choose a topic and go off on it man it's this yeah too much stuff is is pussy footed and it's neat and it's produced and I don't like it because nothing in life is like that. What life really is is this: talking, internet breaking, bathroom breaks, right? It's that. That's what reality is. I don't. I don't produce it. I don't like. You know, I'm going off on a tangent. So let's wrap this up because I need to go get some dinner. But because um, I'm on the East Coast. But um, thank you, Tony. And um, it takes several hours to upload, so it probably won't be up till like the wee hours. So it probably won't be up till tomorrow. But um, I'll send it to you when it's up. Um, so yeah, send it to friends and family. Tell them to subscribe. And uh, yeah, let's wrap yeah. Th- let's wrap this up. Thank you, Tony. Yeah, and- send it to me, and then. Uh... What? Um, I, you're the, the sound was getting yeah. Copy, so I kind of I didn't know what I was cutting you off. Okay, but, no, it's breaking up. Yeah. But um, I was gonna say I don't think I want to edit anything. I think you just run the way it is. Okay. I'm, I'm,
Yeah. Okay. Good. Cool. cool. Easy. I mean, probably cut out the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. But um, yeah. Let's uh. Yeah. That was awesome, man. Thanks for doing it. Shout out our roof Koreans. Thank you for the questions. And um. Yeah, who was it? Furioso86. Thank you for all those questions. You made an awesome podcast. And uh, thank you, Tony. Shout out to all the rooftop Koreans and the rooftop Korean inside of all of us. And shout out Johnny Kim. And uh, stay safe out there, everybody. God bless America. Yeah, indeed. God bless America. All right, Tony. I'll text you and uh, we'll set up another one, all right? Sounds good, man. Stay safe, brother. All right, brother. You too. Peace. Bye, brother.